0: Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Stoke County Chiefs. Hey, it's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs.
2: Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm
0: Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Old Stokes Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Jared Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA.
3: Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet.
0: The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style.
3: The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select
0: Trollunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh uh, yes! Oh my goodness! We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go.
3: Good weekend, and welcome to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I am your host, Gee Flaming, and uh, I'm welcoming back. Uh, hopefully, I'm welcoming back a number of you to the Pipeline Show. And uh, if you're new to the program, because the draft right around the corner, and you might be downloading this uh, special draft a preview. Uh, then welcome to the Pipeline Show. I hope you'll stick around for more. Once the draft is over, the show does not take a summer break, so every week uh, there'll be another episode of the Pipeline Show uh, getting right into the uh, the Ivan Holinka Tournament and the U18s and ev- all those events, uh, the U20 summer camps uh, in August. July, really the only down month uh, of the uh, prospect hockey season. Uh, and Then camps opening up in August in uh, both the Canadian Junior Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League. All of that starts in August, and we get going for real in September a USHL, not that far after that, and uh, the NCAA on top of that in October. As always, we start with the question of the day, and I put that out on Twitter. My question was, I, I guess you can kind of uh, just shrink it down to who do you think is overrated for the draft this year, but basically what I put on Twitter was, if there is a player that you think will be drafted way higher than you think he should be, who is it? And why do you think he's overrated? And I uh, did get a number of responses into the inbox uh, for this one. Here's a few that stood out. Puck Fronger, obviously a Chris Pronger fan, uh, says uh, Cole Caulfield, and this is strictly based on watching the U18s. But he appeared to me, uh, but it appeared to me Hughes, Zegers, Boldy did a lot of the heavy lifting. Credit to Caulfield for finishing it off, though. Uh, Jay Beraldi says uh, Broberg. Don't think he has the puck skills or the hockey sense to be drafted in that 7-12 range. 17 Curry says, Kaliev, he seems boom or bust, and some teams will reach for the boom. Sparky followed that up with, I've heard lots of one-dimensional talk with Kaliev. Uh, Lucas Pankeri from the Daily Herald in Prince Albert says, "Uh, Bobby Brink, no, it's not because I think he's overrated, but he's who I want the pens to take, and I'm sure he'll go one selection right before they pick. Uh, Tommy in uh, Sweden, who's been a long-time listener and uh, uh, fills the inbox on a regular basis. He also mentions Philip Broberg. Could be drafted higher than I, should, than I would pick him if I were in charge. Obviously, the skating and physical attributes are elite. I just feel he lacks in hockey sense and game decisions to be a top-two defender. That from Tommy. TPE Hockey, who uh, does some uh, scouting of his own, he says that Vasily Pudkolzin was great at certain international tournaments where there's a ton of exposure, but in the underexposed Russian junior and second leagues, he was pretty bad. I wouldn't take him before pick 15 to 20. So there's some of the uh, sampling of uh, some of the responses to the inbox to the question of the day. You can find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. If you're listening to this and you're not following me on Twitter, should probably give me a follow, And because uh, if you're uh, taking the time to listen to the pipeline show you might want to follow the pipeline show on Twitter and stay up to date on everything happening with the program what's coming up and I sent put out all the links to interviews things like that and links to the uh, the patreon page patreon.com slash the pipeline show and get early access uh, to uh, the episodes as well let's get to the uh, news and notes and uh, some massive news uh, coming out of the WHL later in this past week starting on Thursday and really, The Winnipeg Ice have been making uh, a lot of noise since uh, the draft when they did some uh, wheeling and dealing at the draft to get the number one and number two picks. They signed Connor Geeky, who they took second overall. Well, this week they also signed Matt Savoy, who casual hockey fans might not uh, recognize the name yet, but uh, pretty famous around uh, our neck of the woods here as he's from St. Albert. But Matthew Savoy was taken first overall in the WHL Bantam draft. He had applied for exceptional status, with uh, with Hockey Canada to play in the WHL as a 15 year old, that would be this coming season. But he did not get it. But he hasn't really been turned down officially either, and we'll get to that in a second. But Matthew Savoy now assigns with the Kootenay Ice and uh, the Kootenay, excuse me, the Winnipeg Ice, and uh, that was that. Obviously, pretty big news. And uh, Tyler Yuremchuk, who's been on this show a number of times, he's a uh, our producer during Edmonton Oil King broadcast sits right next to me uh, and uh, works for TSN 1260. He also does some stuff with the Sherwood Park Crusaders, which is where Carter Savoy, Matt's uh, older brother, played last year. And both of them were kind of, it looked like they might play there uh, to some extent next year. Obviously, Matthew Savoy being 15, not old enough to play uh, full time in the uh, AJHL either. But uh, Tyler, who is, uh, he's I mean, he's from St. Albert as well. Uh, Knows the family, obviously, because Carter played for the Crusaders last year. After the news came out that Savoy had signed with Winnipeg, uh, he tweeted out, I was told repeatedly by higher-up sources in the AJHL that Savoy was set to play games there next season. Not sure what happened. Wonder what this means for his brother Carter, who was dominant last season in the AJHL as a 16-year-old. Both brothers were supposed to go to Denver. Obviously, that's changed. uh, But Carter is draft-eligible, NHL draft-eligible, in 2020. Tyler followed up that tweet. He said, uh, just had some very interesting information passed my way. Matt Savoy will be allowed to play 34 games in the WHL plus emergency slash injury call-ups. He will be in the Winnipeg Ice lineup for potentially 45 to 50 games next season. Now that rings, uh, raises a lot of eyebrows because the rule is you can play five max uh, aside outside of emergency uh, call-ups uh, until your club team is done for the year. Now, the interesting part of this is, and uh, Jason Greger from TSN 1260 uh, weighed in on this as well. You can follow, by the way, Tyler Yaremchuk, good follow on Twitter, and uh, his Twitter handle is his name. So it's Tyler Yaremchuk. It's spelled Y-A-R-E-M-C-H-U-K. Tyler Yaremchuk. Jason Greger, who hosts the Jason Greger Show uh, on uh, TSN 1260. His nephew, uh, Noah Greger, was a standout for the Prince Albert Raiders this year. Uh, he got involved in the conversation as well. He said he had uh, texted a couple of uh, WHL GMs and reported back that um, the plan appears to be that Matthew Savoy, who played in Edmonton last year, will actually go to Winnipeg next, next season and uh, play at uh, Rink Hockey Academy, which happens to be owned by the same people who own the Winnipeg Ice. That would be 50 Below Sports and Entertainment. And the situation here is well, you're still wondering how can he play more than five games and maybe two or three more because uh, Dylan Gunther of the Edmonton Oil Kings, same situation last year where he played five games, but while guys were away at U17s or the Oil Kings had injuries, they were able to bring in someone else and happens to be right in town here in Edmonton, so they just called Dylan Gunther and he would come to the rink and play that night. So he actually got into eight games, three more than the quote unquote limit of. Five. You remember the season before that, Kirby Doc actually played 17 games for the Saskatoon Blades very much the same way uh, because they had uh, emergency recalls. So, but still, we're talking about 34 to 50 games next season. That's a lot more than 8 or 17. So how are they getting around that? Well, if Matt Savoy plays for Rink Hockey Academy, which happens to be right in Winnipeg, as Jason Greger reported on Twitter, the plan for the Winnipeg Ice is that they'll uh, they'll just keep a, a pretty short roster, like 21 players, so that basically anytime they have an injury, uh, they have a what would be considered an emergency recall or a need for, to uh, uh, recall somebody on an emergency basis. And with Winnipeg, with the Rink Hockey Academy being right in Winnipeg, pretty easy to get Matt Savoy into the lineup. So... Now somebody will say this is dirty. So there will be people who say, "Well, that's not right. That's it's definitely a loophole, but it's a legal loophole." Now I did have somebody ask me on Twitter, "Who pays for uh, Matthew Savoy to attend Rink Hockey Academy?" I don't, I don't know, but I would assume, I'm guessing, it would be uh, Savoy's family. Um, if he was playing at any other academy, that would be the case. If not, if, if, uh, because I think with the Twitter question, or the, the person who asked me the question on Twitter was getting at was if it's the team, if it's the Winnipeg Ice, who uh, basically setting them up there and covering the cost, well, that would be like paying a player. And that obviously is against the rules. So we will certainly be very interesting to see how it all plays out. And if things are, th- everything should, I mean, this whole process will be, I'm sure, under the spotlight. And if anything is, You know, unbecoming, and uh, I would hope that the league would do something about it. But at this point, it seems like it's uh, just pretty smart maneuvering here by 50 Below Sports and and everyone with the Winnipeg Ice that they're kind of taking advantage of a bit of a loophole here. And uh, I saw Greg Drennan on Twitter today, today being Saturday, uh, potentially very late Friday night, he, he sort of has everything kind of uh, drawn out as well, simplified for what I was just talking about, Tyler Aramchuk breaking the news on Thursday. Not that Savoy had signed, that obviously came out of Winnipeg, but that he was going to be in line to play in, uh, way in excess of uh, the five games. Tyler had that, and then Jason Greger's information about the plan for him to play at Rink Hockey Academy, um, that all came out on Thursday. But uh, Greg Grinnen, uh really simplifies everything, sums everything up uh, very nicely. But makes a great point of what what happens next. I mean, this is a great job by the Winnipeg Ice to to exploit a loophole. But now, when do other WHL teams start doing this? How many WHL franchises have uh, a hockey academy in their backyard? You know, obviously Calgary's going to have one. Edmonton's going to have one. Uh, the big, the major markets are going to. But uh, you know, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't, I don't think all of them are going to like. The smaller markets, Swift Current, Prince Albert, Prince George. I, you know, I'm guessing there are not hockey academies in those places. But as Greg Drinan also points out, it might even go further than that. He reminds people that 50 Below Sports Entertainment, uh, they own the ice, they own Rink Hockey Academy, they also own the MJHL's Winnipeg Blues. So you're gonna see potentially maybe whl owners will start owning junior a teams as well and, and kind of using them all basically as a farm team uh, system this could be really interesting how it evolves uh, in the western hockey league over the next little while now the news wasn't done there with the winnipeg guys on thursday then it became a uh, news uh and i think that was just yesterday that they acquired the rights to dylan holloway from the everett Silvertips. now holloway who is projected to be a first-round pick in the 2020 NHL Draft. He's been outstanding in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with the Okotoks Oilers the last couple of years. Played for Canada at the Hlinka Gretzky Cup uh, this time last year, or, well, in August of last summer. Really, really good player. So they acquire his rights, uh, the Winnipeg Ice do, and suddenly you're like, okay, they just got Matthew Savoy, they've got Peyton Krebs, they signed uh, Connor Geeky, and now they're getting Dylan Holloway. Wow, they're all in. But then uh, the report from uh, Todd Maluski from the Wisconsin State Journal and uh, USCHO. He's been on the Pipeline show before as well. Good guy to talk to when it comes to college hockey stuff. Uh, he had tweeted out reaction uh, to the trade that and uh, reached out to Holloway as he covers the University of Wisconsin Badgers, which is where Holloway is committed. And um, he had talked to the team, to Tony Granato, that's the coach there. Uh, they're still expecting Holloway to report. And Holloway actually got back to Maluski and uh, confirmed that he, too, uh, is going back or that he will join the Badgers as planned this coming season. So so the Winnipeg Ice getting the rights to Dylan Holloway might pay off for them down the road. It only costs them a fifth-round pick to to just get his rights. It reminds me a lot of uh, when the Regina Pats picked up uh, Tyson Jost's rights, which were also held by the Everett Silvertips, as a matter of fact. Back when they were hosting the Memorial Cup a couple of years ago, uh, they did that in the uh, at right around this time in the off season, uh, just in case, basically. But he did go to uh, North Dakota, and, and it didn't pay off in the long run. But it didn't cost them much just to have that uh, potentially uh, come to fruition for them, and much the same here. It looks like with Dylan Holloway. On a side note, Carter Savoy uh, confirmed with uh, Tyler Rumchuk that uh, he is still going to play for the Sherwood Park Crusaders next year and will go to the University of Denver. So even though little brother Matt is going to go the WHL route, uh, older brother Carter is not. So uh, huge news uh, happening in the later part of the week uh, around the Winnipeg ice. One other CHL note to pass on, Igor Afanasiyev, who played for the Muskegon Lumberjacks uh, this season, uh, he was involved his rights were held in the uh, Ontario Hockey League i forget which team had them but they were traded to the Windsor Spitfires uh and at that time he had still been committed to the Michigan State Spartans but uh, shortly thereafter so this would have been around i don't know new years i guess uh decommitted from Michigan State i actually had him on the show like the week that it happened and i hadn't heard yet so he told me uh, during the interview uh, that he wasn't he decided not to go to Michigan State I uh, wouldn't say necessarily if he was going to report to Windsor, but that has now officially happened. He's signed on with the Windsor Spitfires, so Igor Afanasyev will play for the Spits this coming season. He's a guy who some people think he could be a first-round pick uh, next week at the NHL Draft. So it uh, looks like a nice pickup uh, for the Spitfires. All right, this has been a, uh, a long segment because there were some pretty big uh, news and notes to, to cover uh, but it is a, a big show here on the Pipeline Show this week as well. The, the annual draft preview special brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. What we're going to do today, this is uh, coming down the pipe, going to have five guest segments. All five guests are scouts with HockeyProspect.com. We're going to pick a, a different league. So we'll go WHL, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Ontario Hockey League, the USHL slash high school guys, and uh, we'll go to Europe as well. We're only going to look at Sweden. As uh, most of the players who will be drafted this year at the high end are from Sweden. Obviously, Kapokako is is, uh, an exception to that rule. But we'll get to know about 10 or 11 Swedes that HockeyProspect.com has ranked for the black book. Which, if you haven't picked up yet, it's available in both a PDF version, which I have, or in a print version, a book that you can get through Amazon. Go to HockeyProspect.com for that. Now, because this show is a little bit different, we don't have like a classic in-the-dub segment, so uh, I want to mention that if you want to stay up-to-date on everything happening in the WHL, (laughs) there has been a lot of stuff happening in the WHL here as of late, uh, bookmark dubnetwork.ca in your browser and uh, check out the the, uh, publication on a regular basis. Maybe make it a daily visit. In fact, you can get your daily dose of the dub. There's a uh, spot where you can sign up for... You'll get a daily summary of everything happening in the Western Hockey League, and there's some great stories there. A lot of young writers are uh, getting their feet wet covering uh, hockey, and uh, they do a terrific job. I've got a column there as well, Flaming Hot Takes, which you can check out if you'd like. So dubnetwork.ca. They, every WHL segment we do here on the Pipeline Show is, we call it, In the Dub, and it's brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Also want to remind you about the store next door it's a company in uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia that employs people with disabilities. What they do is they collect as many broken hockey sticks as they can get. So if you want to round up a bunch and uh, you know you get two or three or 500 or 1,000 of them and you got a group or your school is collecting hockey sticks, something like that, it's a great cause. You can contact them, talk about how to uh, get the sticks to them. Once they get there, they take the sticks and they transform them from junk basically into some really cool stuff, whether it's tables or chairs or benches, uh, picture frames, cowbell on the end of a hockey stick and take it to a hockey game. Lots of great stuff. they got a whole catalog full of products. You can check that out at the store thestorenextdoor.ca. All right, but it's been a long opening segment. Let's get to the show. We're going to have five scouts from hockeyprospect.com on. We'll start with the man at the top of the heap. He leads the way for the publication, Mark Edwards. He's my guest. Starting it off next with players out of the Western Hockey League you need to know for the NHL draft. We kick it off next here on the Pipeline Show.
0: Now near side white. Far side Krebs. Wrist shot. Scores! Peyton Krebs a wrist shot from the far side
1: and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai, and this is the Pipeline Show.
0: grabs it, walks in on the back, end shoots, and scores! The Spruce Grove Saints are excited to unveil their first ever hockey school. Taking place August 19th to 23rd right here at the Grant Fear Arena, brought to you by Subway and Humpty's Restaurants of Spruce Grove. This one week hockey school includes over 10 hours of on and off ice instruction from Saints coaching staff and current Saints players. Each camp participant will receive a camp jersey and a t-shirt to keep and have one on ice and one off ice session per day. Each day will have a specific focus. To enhance the skating, shooting, and puck handling skills of each player, both boys and girls of all levels of all experience are encouraged to come out and take part. To cap off the week, each group will have a subway sub-party with the Saints coaches up in the lounge. Visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca and sign up for the Hockey School now. Click on the Hockey School tab on the right side of the page. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Who is this genius?
3: We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to kick off this uh, 2019 NHL Draft special uh, brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. We're going to speak with the man in charge who runs the show for HockeyProspect.com. Mark Edwards, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Mark, I know busy uh, time of year for you. Now that the Black Book is done, uh, but you're doing a ton of media right now too.
4: A little bit, yeah. Going on the odd uh, show and talking some draft, which is always fun, but uh, May's really the only bad month of my year. Mm -hmm. I have a Great, great job! And uh, May's busy, but we get to June and talk on some radio. And then uh, I'm heading to Vancouver next Wednesday, so that's always a good time. Actually, watching that unfold after doing all the work.
3: Well, the Black Book has uh, been the staple of the industry, the benchmark uh, for independent scouts uh, for years now. A bit of a different format this year, and you might have to walk me through it a bit. I have a copy of it. It's uh, you know just a, a massive wealth of information, as always but in a different way this year. Uh, tell me about the changes and why you made the changes.
4: Yeah, so it's something I've been wrestling with for about the last three or four years. But because we had it one way with a full 217, uh, you know, selection, so to speak, t- 217 players ranked, I was worried about uh, the confusion of switching to, um, well, I'll call it an NHL-style list. So an NHL-style list is like the NHL teams do where, you know, they might list 100, you know, depending on the year. I mean, I got so many different answers because I really wanted to get a, a um, an idea of just how much it changed from team to team, That But for lack of uh, argument, it was most guys told me, you know, 106, 107, 110, and then they all separate the goalies and then I might have their 10 goalies or whatever. That obviously changes by year as well. So you're talking about a total including goalies for the most part of, say, 120 max. Uh and then if you want to start talking about where they actually get to that, get to on that list, that's usually, you know, 80s. it starts, you know, you're going to be choosing somewhere around 80. Uh, and, and guys even told me that, you know, high sixties at times, it just depends on the year. Um, But, you know, you're getting, getting, uh, looking for that seventh rounder and you might take your 81st guy rank, or maybe next, the year after that, it's 87 or, you know what I mean? You get the point here. Yeah. So, that's kind of how we did it this year. We separated our goalies just this time. And the big thing was, be trying to play what we're... It's difficult when there's players that we didn't want to draft ourselves, but they were like highly touted, that sort of thing, where to slot them in and kind of show where we maybe select them, um, if we would take them at all. And more so the difficult part was, if it was going to be a guy that I'd like to... You know, take a uh, a run at in the seventh. One of the guys we'd be looking at in the seventh. Well, all of a sudden we're ranking him at one eighty eight, <laughs> one ninety two on our list. Right. You know, to get him to show the reader that yeah, we see him as a seventh round. In effect, based on what I just told you, right? He'd be a hundred spots in an NHL list having any chance of being drafted whatsoever. Right. So I just wanted to go to the point where let's do apples to apples. Uh, this is kind of the list that I sent to. You know, private clients in the NHL. So it was like apples to apples when they looked at it. Uh, and I just figured we'll take one year here where the reader might be a little confused as that have been buying our book over and over again. But I tried to uh, get a lot of information at the beginning of the book to explain it all, yep. what we do and make the change finally. And then the other thing is we just brought in to go alongside this. We brought in, uh, draft grades. So we're using Winnipeg. Uh, there's a three to nine rating system on some categories. Hockey tends compete skill skating, um, and then we put a draft grade too. So an A is a first rounder, uh, B is a second third rounder. People are familiar with this. Um, the Jets use a C plus, and that's kind of just like you're distinguishing that he's probably closer to a fourth than to a seventh. And this obviously now would be the seventh rounder. Right. So we have an A, B, C plus, C. So you'll see those grades on players. And then we have a no draft. Um, some teams will call, we'll just throw the watch as like a, Hey, yeah, we'll take a piece. So we just use ND, no draft. Um, what teams do is the C's that you have graded as C's that go undrafted, they'll turn into watches next year. Right. So for instance, we'll take a look, you know, what C's we rated the C's might go undrafted and they would start our next year. On our watch list, and we'd watch them early in the year and just see, you know, are we going to have any interest next year? Yeah. So, in a nutshell, that's kind of it. Um, the, the grade is a three to nine scale. So, those categories I mentioned: hockey sense, compete, skill, skating. There, let's use a three to nine. So, I put, you know, uh, a term on it. So, three is poor, four, four below average, five average, uh, six good, seven very good, so nine elite. And I think we only used maybe three nines or something in the whole book. I tell the guys, you know, that's we're going to use it
3: sparingly. All right. Uh, that's uh, Mark Edwards from hockeyprospect.com uh, talking about the changes to the black book. Uh, before we get into some of the individual players, where do people get the black book? What's the uh, the cost point, the price point?
4: Okay. So it's uh, on our website for the digital PDF version. Another change this year, we have uh, an ePub and the ePub is if you've got your iphone or ipad you can download both versions are included when you purchase uh, online and the the iphone the ipad version has audio too so Mm -hmm. it would be a little audio button and you click and the only bad part is you have to hear me talk uh, a little bit about the player (laughs) Uh, but that's the new change too is uh we just added an extra format with the audio included and then every other year we've had the print, and I'm still uh, hopeful we're going to have print this year. But I've ran into an issue. Uh, long story short, Amazon purchased the company we've always used, and the interface is different, and they're kind of rejecting our files that I am trying to get submitted here to get the book on Amazon, like we've had it here. And uh, I've been hassling uh, and wrestling with this for this is day six.
3: All right. Well, hopefully that gets uh all worked out here in the uh, next uh, 24 hours or whatever. Uh, what we're doing today, we're going to talk to a number of uh, where uh, you can talk to you and a number of your guys uh, on the show. Kind of pick different areas, uh, geographically. What uh, go by leagues, uh, and uh, you get the uh, the WHL. Uh, we'll talk to Brad about the uh, the OHL, but uh, we're going to focus on the dub uh, with you, Mark. And uh, at the top of the list is Bowen Byram. I think everybody is pretty much in universal agreement. That Byram is the the number one defenseman available in the in the NHL draft this year, and it's probably not even that close, is it?
4: No, it's not. I'll just quickly mention to Liam Loeb is our WHL guy who just uh, couldn't make himself available for you, so okay. I'm uh, I'm crossing over here and going to talk with some of the dub guys here just to to be clear about that since. Uh, that way, if I screw up here, it's like, "Hey, it wasn't my area."
3: <laughs> uh-huh. No problem. Uh, what makes Byram special? Yeah, Byram is is very
4: special. I will be shocked if uh, he's not gone by the fourth pick, and you know, there's a good chance three uh, with the Blackhawks even drafting a bunch of D lately. It wouldn't shock me if they took him. Right. And then I think that if they don't, that uh, Colorado will take him and wouldn't that be interesting? Having uh, McCart and Byram as a yeah. Uh, but this kid just creates offense. and You know, it's interesting at the, um, I was so high on him coming into the year, and maybe the expectations were just through the roof. And I, I don't want to make it sound like I thought he played poorly at the Halinka, but I was kind of like, eh, you know, kind of expected more. And I, I was in red gear a lot, so I didn't, I think I only saw two Canada games, uh, at the Halinka when I was in Edmonton, but I was just kind of like, eh, you know, not, not as great as I've seen him. Mm-hmm. Oh man, did he ever make up for that the rest of the year? Whew and especially I thought from uh kind of December, January on, I thought he had one of the best second halves the prospects had in a long time, put his team on uh, his back and carried them. And he just, I just look at it like he just, he's offense. He just makes people around him better. Um, to see the ice so well he's creative and then he's got the the skills the tools to back it up
3: Byron was uh, unbelievable in the playoffs as well and i think the biggest reason the the giants got to uh, the final let alone overtime in game seven uh, a goal away from uh, getting to the memorial cup um three uh forwards following him uh, out of the whl that i think a lot of people including myself maybe mixing uh kirby doc and peyton Krebs and dylan cousins those three you know, you asked me in October which one I like the best. It's different and come December, and again, different in March, and probably different now. Uh, the way you've got them listed, I won't give out the numbers because uh, I don't want to uh, spoil it for people uh, getting the, the black book, but Peyton Krebs, then Kirby Doc, and Dylan Cousins, that's probably the way I see it as well. But how big of a gap is there between those three guys in your mind?
4: Yeah, there's not there's not a big gap. And what you just changed in your mind, well, you know, that was the same case on our staff, and just about every NHL team scout I spoke to this year, and not just with these WHLers, but a group of guys all near the top. And really, it's it's going to be a, a crazy that way. Um, I don't mind saying the ranking. This top 30 ones for free on our site anyway. Okay, it's not a big deal. But we've got we've got Krebs at six, Doc at eight, and we have Cousins at 14. For me personally, uh, Cousins was always the guy that was the the third of those three. Uh, Byram, you know, as the D was kind of in his own little, um, class. Yeah. Figure that later. And then that became very easy, uh, with him third overall on our list. Um, Krebs is the, is the player that to me, just and, and, and you, you just noticed him all the time. And I've used the line kind of on, on every interview. He just drives the bus. And I just thought that he, he was always the, the line driver. He was always the guy. Uh, even on his team where he didn't have a ton of talent with him, that he he was the guy that had to make it happen and did make it happen often. Uh, Doc is the guy that I have said would be fourth on if I thought he played more consistently and got kind of the, out of his tools more often. In other words, I think his ceiling is the highest of those guys. Um, his skill level is really high. Obviously, then you've, and, and the centerman so I think he's the guy that could have been fourth on our list ahead of an Alex turcott who is if we saw Doc just bring it a little more often and that's really for the drop and it's so tight in this four to ten that
5: mm-hmm.
4: that little slip up of just not seeing it as consistent as consistently as we would like is a difference between Doc being say fourth and as it turns out eighth on our list and then we go down to Cousins and it sounds like 14th oh my god these guys hate Cousins
5: Sure. Hate
4: cousins. It's 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 pretty competitive up there. Okay, the thing we did is we project him as a winger for what we see in his game, and we're concerned about sense compared to a guy like Krebs or even other guys up there, a Doc, uh, Turcotte, Zegers. Uh, when we match his hockey sense against those guys, that's where he in our you know in our evaluation doesn't match up, and that's why he's down. 14th and i was looking back actually we had him 13th this time last year in our very very early look at this year's draft uh so he ended up dropping one spot after rising up a little bit uh, at times this year a uh, doc i think um and he really showed this in in uh i saw him live a couple times the one it was in, and i thought he played a really responsible game when i say that i mean Caring about more than just scoring, caring about more than just offense. I thought he was really good in the neutral zone with his assignments and in his own zone, really understanding defensive hockey. And then as again, as I mentioned, like this kid's got, this kid's got skill. So if, if there's a guy that's going to make us look really bad, it might be Doc at eight, but you know what? When it's this tight and you see a guy, you know, kind of disappear on you at times, He's got the Podols and Krebs, Egers, Turkots, you know, Byrnes of the world in mm-hmm. front of him. Uh, that's that's all it takes uh, for us to move him to eight, and he's ahead of that said he's ahead of a really good player at number nine, Matthew Boldy.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. Let's go the uh, the a little bit further down in the first round, or at least in your top thirty uh, one ish. Uh, Lassie Thompson of the Kona uh, Rockets comes in at 28, and then Matthew Robertson at 35. And I, sorry, I spoiled that because that's outside the top uh, 31. But that's okay. That's um, okay. <laughs> um, I, I was interested to see the comparison where those two guys w- would come together. Obviously, I know Matthew Robertson really well, uh, d- doing the uh, Oil Kings broadcast. I only saw Lassie Thompson once this year. The Rockets came to Edmonton, were terrible, were outshot 27-13, still won the game 3-1 somehow. Ah uh, but lassie Thompson it was I saw him on an off night it wasn't a great night uh, for him um, but you have uh, obviously seen him uh, play better. Uh, tell me uh, what you like about uh, lassie Thompson
4: yeah, so lassie's an interesting one because I saw him last year in Plymouth Michigan with Finland in the uh, five nations tournament and i I you know he was kind of for guys getting eh, not much ice and but every shift I was like, why don't they play this guy and you know, I won't say names, but he definitely
5: <laughs>
4: earned what I thought was earned ice over a couple of guys for sure. And I was like, man, I would wish they play this guy more. Because uh, every shift he had really good shifts. So I was looking forward to him, uh, you know, as a late birthday coming into this year. And then as, uh, you know, fate has it, here it is. He's in port draft and, and he's in Kelowna. And I uh, liked what we saw, but, it, you know, here I am. I'm the guy kind of pumping his tires and everything. I think I probably finished. And again, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Lassie Thompson, but I was probably the lowest of our guys on him by the time we we're doing the final meetings here. And it was really just down to uh, some hockey sense issues with him. I thought some decision making. I I thought that his mistakes always seem costly. Like he's he's so good at skating the puck, and he's great offensively, um, as his stats would show, uh, with both you know uh, helpers and goals. Uh, but I thought that he, you know, he gave back. So I know kind of what he helped with. Uh, he gave back some poor decisions and and ending up, you know, leading scores against on his team. So I'll be interested to see if he hangs on in the first. I think the tools are so good that he might uh, just go somewhere right around. Again, our our ranking is 28 here, mm-hmm. and he's rated as a, a B grade. So we've got him as a second third. Obviously, he's 28. We're thinking of more as a second rounder than a third, uh, but. You know, the chances if we were a team having him 28th that he would be, even if we were picking 31st, be our first, it would probably be slim. Um, We'd probably get him somewhere uh, mid-second or, you know, even later at times. It's amazing how it can, how it can vary. And then you asked about uh, the player you know very well. You probably know him better than I do. Matthew Robertson, uh, saw him on the summer and then on that same uh, I mentioned earlier
5: mm-hmm.
4: and the size skating here. Um, I think he played fans really well. My issue with him and, and with our Western guy, Liam, uh, who was not a huge and pumping his tires. And one of the reasons he uh, didn't make the top 31, is his puck moving. And, and especially what I thought is when there was, when he had that time and space and was all comfortable uh, when he was pressured a bit, that the puck was already kind of just adequate really started to suffer and he could force some turnovers. So as you just mentioned, there really was good defending in the playoffs and get the guy like, uh, and we saw that too. We don't have problems with the, the defense, but there's that puck moving part of the game. That's really important. And I thought that was, uh, if anything, uh, the weakness there.
3: Let's continue on. Uh, another forward uh, coming in uh, from the Moose Jaw Warriors named Braden Tracy uh, had uh, two really good overage uh, line mates this year in Justin Almeida and Tristan Langan. Uh, he ended up having 81 points as a rookie this year in the WHL, which is obviously an amazing season. Uh, he is, he wasn't a 16 year old rookie, obviously being draft eligible this year. So you wonder, or at least uh, I think it's fair to wonder how much of it is Braden Tracy and how much of it is his line mates. Uh, you rank them uh, fairly high. What do you like about them?
4: Yeah, again, uh, this was a player that uh, Liam brought to us, our Western guy brought to us in October. It was kind of new to me, and he he said, hey, liking this kid in in Moose Jaw here, take a look. He's got some skill, and uh, he's putting the puck in the net. Liam was definitely on to something because that was the the part of his game we liked uh, was the offense, the the goal scoring. Um, What we didn't like, um, with the compete, um, so I mentioned earlier about grades in the hockey sense, compete, skill, yeah. skating, yeah. and how we do the category. So I'll give you his. His was hockey sense seven, compete five, skill seven, skating five. And the five would probably be in the high five. Uh, we rate him at the C plus. So again, that would be saying that we see him closer to a, a fourth rounder than a seventh rounder. Right. Uh, and 55, 55th ranked um, on our list. So again, it doesn't mean we'd be taking them with our if we were drafting at fifty-five. Um, but the, what we what we thought there was some real lackadaisical. Teams, uh, the compete dropped off a cliff, um, and you know when you when you start doing these lists and you're you're battling little five, over and over to build this list. Uh, when you say the word a bit lazy or lackadaisical, that's going to tend to make you fall a little bit. So. Had a really good year, considering his situation. Obviously, uh, high profile uh, was on the big stage at times, and and really showed quite well. So the good is, I guess, the good is really good, uh, but the bad kind of looked looked bad at times. So that's kind of the. A- I,
3: I know another player who has kind of been uh, uh, not the favorite for everybody, and uh, Nolan Foot, Cal Foot's younger brother, and Adam Foot's son. So he comes from some pretty good hockey bloodlines, but um, Nolan Foot is. I think he entered the season kind of ranked fairly high, and maybe that's uh, fallen over the course of the year. Uh, wh- what do you see when you see Nolan Foot? Yeah,
4: it, it just really comes down to he's, he's not a real popular guy um, as far as ranking because uh, really poor, uh, poor evaluations by most of our guys that have seen him uh, in the skating department. So the bad feet uh, just just kind of chipped away at his, his ranking. He comes in as a C graded player for us. Um, you know, the hockey sense is fine at six compete seven the skill we got as a five. And I remember that it was, you know, closer to a six than a five. Uh, but the skating we have down as a four and uh, right. you, you got flags sometimes or stoppers that are going to stop player from making it possibly. And, and that would be it for him. Um, Really kind of off our radar from early on because we all just kind of flagged them as men it's going to be hard to overcome those feet. Uh, and then Liam, as, as the West guy, kept watching and uh, came in with his, his grade as a C. We all agreed and kind of put him to bed.
3: All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you about uh, a few more guys as well. Um, let's go to goaltenders. though. For me, it's, it's actually a really good year for goalies. Uh, and uh, out of the WHL, there's a number of goalies that I like. I like him, uh, I think more than a HockeyProspect.com hockey does. Uh, you guys have singled out six, uh, goaltenders, in your rankings and, uh, two of them come from the WHL. The top ranked guy is Mad Sogard, who would be my top ranked guy out of the WHL as well. Uh, I saw him firsthand against the Oil Kings in the playoffs and I've, I've jokingly, I've done a lot of radio here leading up to the draft too. And every time his name comes up, I say, if not for Mad Sogard, that best of seven series would have been over in three, uh, because, uh, the Oil Kings dominated. Just couldn't find a way to, to beat him uh, early on in that series. Tell me about Matt Sogard and why you have him ranked as highly as you do, and could he even be a surprise first-rounder in your mind?
4: Uh, first of all, I think there's a chance. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard, because I've talked to scouts. Well, it's, you know, just because a scout says, you know, I got him ranked here. Well, there's a whole team ranking, not just a scout ranking. So, And then other times I actually find out kind of where a team has a guy area. So it can depend, but... It wouldn't shock me if he went uh, between the you know 20 and 30 uh, with the season he's had. Um, I know for us, it was really tight between him and uh, Spencer Knight to be our, our top-ranked goalie. Um, the trip I was just alluding to here, and you can see it was a really good trip because I saw all the top guys. Yeah. Well, this is a kid that I didn't even know I was going to see. I didn't even know about him, and maybe that was bad prep by me. I uh, probably was, uh, but when I got there on a Friday in Medicine Hat, um, I walked out of the scout room and this six foot six, six foot seven kid on skates, I'm six five. I was looking up to him and I'm going, Oh man, I hope this kid plays tomorrow. Like, <laughs> and, and, uh, luckily he did and he was fantastic. And I came home and told our guys, we've got a new player here that we're going to have to watch. Um, for the for the size of the kid, the way he moved around his net, his recovery skills, uh, the way he challenged, uh, his glove was good, I thought his rebound control was good. Uh and we break him down pretty good in the book here, uh get into micro adjustments, uh that kind of stuff. He just he just clouded impressed. And, and then uh I actually watched one of the games you're referring to uh online against the Oil Kings and he was fantastic in that game. Yeah. And I was like, man I don't know, kid, but you you should have me watch every game because you're just freaking dynamite every time I watch it. So I'm getting, um, if you got the black book, you'll see like great reviews from scouts. Nobody has a bad thing to say, it seems. Um, If anybody says anything, it's like World Junior, but I've seen some other goalies with with, uh, weak countries get lit up in uh, World Junior before, and it's pretty hard on them. Uh, There was one just... Just, uh, recently a Czech goalie I remember seeing in pre-tournament and I think Canada beat them 12-0 and he was a great goalie. Uh, of course in my bad memory I can't remember his name. But yeah, Rubinsky is, is, uh, huge kid and he can move. Uh, the quickness and, uh, when we get into, uh, one of our scouts, Brad, who really is, goes in depth with goalies, he's kind of our, our goalie guy and he gets into, uh, some of the stuff that um, other people might not notice. Um, Brad talks about him very highly and, and really compared him against Knight in, in all those categories, and he was better than Knight in some. And, and really, I know we just thought that the hockey sense-wise, that's where Knight kind of pushed forward and uh, stayed our top goaltender.
3: Excellent. Uh, the other goalie uh, from the Dub that uh, that made your top six is uh, Dustin Wolf. The opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to height, as uh, he's just over. Uh, six feet, or actually right around six feet, um, but good enough uh, still to you to make your uh, very short list of goalies.
4: Yeah, Wolf. I don't know as much as, about myself. Uh, I saw him in the summer. I didn't see him again, other than watching a little bit of video. Uh, this is one I just mentioned, Brad, being our goalie guy. He is a huge uh, Wolf fan, despite the five eleven height. So we go back to a certain uh, a certain goalie who's the back Asheville. Uh, when we look towards that height and uh, it's comparable that he thinks he's in that same league at the same age uh, that, he, um, you know, possibly follow that path. And so Wolf was a guy that, uh, you know, got a draftable grade by us.
3: All right. Last guy I want to ask you about. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking to a number of your staff for different leagues. Uh, this guy comes from outside of any of those leagues. So uh, Moritz Sider, defenseman out of Germany, played professionally this year. He makes your top 10. Tell me about Mort Sider. I had him on the show this year. I really enjoyed the conversation. He was injured at the time, so we had lots of uh, of free time to chat. Uh, It seems like a really, really intriguing prospect in my mind, but I'm not a scout. From a scouting perspective, uh, tell me what makes him good.
4: Yeah, so from my point of view, uh, much like um,
0: Kravstov
4: last year, who was a Russian who wasn't in any international events that I could see him, and we don't have quite... The budget to be able to just pop over to, <laughs> to Russia to, to see one player.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, much the same for me, personally, uh, for Moritz Sider. Now, we did add um, in the new year, we added a scout who was based in Germany who had watched them, not just when he joined us in the new year, but had watched them all year. Uh, so Yannick um, wrote this profile and obviously had seen them a lot more than any of us. Uh, but like Kravtsov last year, all video For us, that was cider for me this year. Uh, And I'll tell you, I don't like watching video, but I really enjoyed watching this kid. Uh, I think the tools uh, alone obviously put him on the map. And then when you start watching him and his hockey sense and the way he was playing the game, uh, we were impressed. I think we had him in the early 20s was the kind of our initial spot for him. And then if I'm not mistaken – uh, January, maybe 12, February up one notch to 11 and then to 10 on this final list here. Um, the, the jump from 20s into that 12 after watch for his three, uh, not in the main world junior, but the, the, you know, the B division, uh, world junior. Mm-hmm. And he got to flash some offensive talent. Uh, and that's kind of what made that. Kind of 10 spot ish jumper. It might have been, been about 12 spot jump up to 12. And he just moved, you know, two spots higher on the final list, uh, because he, he showed, <clears throat> excuse me, the potential, uh, offensively. Now, while we had moved him already had moved him to 12, then, then as we're coming on the stretch here, uh, we get to see him in the world championship playing against NHLers. And by this time, and he told me this himself, he was feeling a lot more confident. Um, when he was first playing with men back home, he's like, I had to play a safe game because I wanted to stay. I didn't want to get <clears throat> get cut. So he was playing a pretty safe, you know, defensive first game. Uh, but he told me himself that by the time he got to the World Champions, Championship, he built up some confidence, you know, skated the puck a little bit and uh, chipped in offensively, which he showed there. Um and then just on top of it, you said you conversation with him. Well, this is a top five kid that I've ever spoken to. Uh he, He's intelligent. He knows his own games. His self so, is really important to scouts. He was fantastic. He's just likable. Um You know, there I could just say there was there's some players I talked to there, not to try and sound it, but you know they they seem like they're 15 years old. Yeah, uh, this felt like he was 30 years old. <laughs> you're talking to him uh, and just a great sense of humor he, you know you've probably heard this but like, there were so many media around when he was telling a story but uh just that he blew it on the what kind of clothes to bring he didn't realize it was going to be like a two interviews <laughs> so he was in just like a i think there's a golf shirt he had the sneakers on so he said yeah so i'm going to the prospect award sneakers not sure that's how i want to be remembered hmm. As you know from having our black book year after year after year, feedback from interviews, not just during the combine, but a season, but in this case, a lot during the combine. And I just say to teams, you know, any interviews, whatever. And they they start filming. Every team I asked had this kid. If they didn't say he was the best, they mentioned him as one of the best. Every single one I asked. So, and this was before I got to talk to myself. So when I talked to myself, it all made sense because uh, he was very impressive, and he'll show that on on draft night, I'm sure,
3: during his interviews. Well, really looking forward to the uh, the draft and seeing uh, where a guy like that goes could be a real wild card on uh, on draft day. Mark, uh, unbelievable uh, the black book once again this year, uh, and uh, thanks again for uh, coming on the show all season. You and your staff, uh, looking forward to chatting with a few more guys here for this week's episode, but uh, really appreciate you making the time and looking forward to doing it all again next year.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you having uh, Miggy and our guys and enjoy the rest of the uh, conversations with them. Uh, I'm blessed with uh, some really unbelievable scouts to tell you the truth. And uh, they're, they're, they're fun during the meetings. We really get into some good debates and they know their stuff. So enjoy the conversations with them and uh, we'll, we'll see you sometime soon.
3: Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com, and uh, a look at the players out of the Western Hockey League you need to know for the NHL draft. Uh, That's coming up. Boy, it's uh, less than a week away now. You can hear the TSN 1260 draft coverage. Myself, Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide, and uh, Andrew Peard will be on the air on uh, Friday night doing round one. Uh, That'll be at uh, TSN 1260 on Friday. For me, there's a lot of players out of the WHL guys who will get drafted who we didn't chat about there as uh, depth guys. I mean, I'm looking at overage players like Luca Berzan who I, I think will will go. Uh, lots of I think there's lots of goalies who will be taken this year, and you know Trent Miner. I, I think Ethan Anders has a a chance of being uh, selected. Um, the list goes on and on. I think there's a lot of WHL players. To me, it's it's one of the better years for the WHL, and not just at the high end. But I know there's a lot of people who say this draft doesn't have depth. I think, just my personal opinion, I think it's because the OHL is fairly light this year and the Q is, you know, average at best this year. And uh, quite frankly, even Europe might not be as deep. I think there's a lot of reasons why the draft might not be as good, but it's not because the WHL uh, didn't show up this year. It's a good year for the dub. Next year, maybe not so much. Up next, we head out to the East Coast. Uh, Jerome Berube, scout with hockeyprospect.com. He's going to tell us about players out of the queue. That's next here on the Pipeline Show.
0: And up comes Czankovic. He's got speed. Czankovic breakaway to the backhand scores. Max Czankovic is second of the season, and it's 2 1. I'm Maxim Czankovic of the St.
6: John Sea Dogs, and this is the Pipeline Show.
7: there's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, good? Yes, sir!
3: Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We'll continue on with the uh, draft special brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. We just uh, had a conversation with Mark Edwards looking at WHLers. And now we move out to the East Coast uh, and looking at the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. That means Jerome Berube is back on The Pipeline Show. Jerome, welcome back. How are you?
5: I'm pretty good, Guy. Thanks for having, having me on again.
3: No problem. Uh, you're the man to talk to about the queue, guys. That's for sure. And um, in your new rank, new style of Black Book this year, by the way, and uh, for those who are just joining for the the, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League segment, uh, go back and listen to Mark explain all the changes this year in the Black Book. Uh, two guys uh, ranked side-by-side uh, out of the queue this year. Samuel Poulin, Raphael Lavoie go 24 and 25. Is this a... Uh, uh, an average year for the Q uh, to have two guys that uh, out of the league. The first two guys that are in the mid twenties for you. It uh, sounds like it might be a bit of a down year. Yeah, I mean,
5: the Q kind of go to like cycle. Like right. you might have like a really good year one year, and then you might have like a one or two year or more uh, average. Right. So you know, I will. Uh, I would say this year was you know not uh, an average year for draft eligible.
3: Well, Samuel Poulin is the top-ranked guy for HockeyProspect.com out of the queue. Uh, he had 29 goals, 76 points this year. Uh, tell me about Samuel Poulin and uh, why he is the best guy out of the queue.
5: Yeah, we really like him. Uh, he's a very smart hockey player. Um, he, uh, you know, he, uh, his game really, I feel like, once he got named captain of the team in Sherbrooke and the uh uh, post, uh, I guess, post-Christmas. Uh, he uh, His game really took, you know, uh, a step up. Um, you know, mostly offensively. I think he really did a lot more thing offensively. Um, so, that was really nice to see. Um, you know, not that the sharebroker is, is a bad team, but he doesn't really have, like, a lot of high-end uh, talent with him. Right. Um, um, so, he did a lot of nice things for us. Um, so... He's got he, he's got the NHL size already. He's big he's a big strong winger. Um he's smart. Uh works his he works really hard. Uh, you know, there's no you know, he doesn't take shift off. Um I was with actually with Mark in one game in Johnville in the playoff and Johnville was up five nothing after one period and but if you watch in that game you will you will know that was they were down five nothing. Mm. You know, he's he was working hard, like it was Game Seven of the uh, Stanley Cup Final. You know, he. Uh, so we we really like that about him. Like he's very consistent as well. So there's a lot to like about him. Um, as far as like upside, I mean, I I think we see more him as a possible like third line than a than a top six forward.
3: Okay. Um,
5: but we feel like he's a pretty safe bet. To uh, you know, to one day play at the NHL level.
3: You guys gave him a six uh, when it comes to skating. That's on a three to nine scale. So would you describe him as sort of an average skater? Not necessarily a weakness, but not necessarily a a big glowing strength either. Yeah, I mean he's
5: a, he's a pretty big guy, like for 17, 17 years old. I think at the combine he was two hundred twelve pounds. Uh, so. Like it's not a it's not a strong part of his game, but I don't think it's something that's gonna hold him back uh, for the NHL. Um, so yeah, I think six is a you know for first his size and at his age, I think his skating is uh, is decent. Um, you know, like I said, it's not something that's gonna hold him back, but it's also not a, a strong part of his game as well.
3: Now Raphael Lavois came in uh, just one spot back of Poulain 25. So a real thin uh, difference between those two players uh, in your view. Uh, I saw La- I I saw both players in Red Deer at the CHL top prospect game, but um the thing that stood out to me about Lavoie is just how physically developed he is in terms of like he looks like a man on the ice. He's he he's uh, what did he miss last year's draft by 10 days or something like that and it, it it uh, is very evident when you look at him. He looks older than everybody else. Um, that also makes me wonder: is he close to the finished product? Like, how much better will he get? Is that a concern for you?
5: Well, a little bit. I mean, like you said, he's one of the uh, older first-year eligible player in this draft. Um, so, like physically, I I still think he can get a bit stronger, um, and you know, yeah, get a bit. Uh, stronger on his skate and you know be a, be a, a bit tougher to play against. Um, so like if he can gain some muscle in the next you know two three years, I think that will really, really help him. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously there's a big difference. It's it's almost like a one year difference with some other prospects. So there's always like a bit of a danger where as he like he's to me he as I don't know if he's gonna improve that much coming up. Uh, I think if you compare it to like a, maybe a pool where I think he's got more. He can mm-hmm. uh, improve a lot more in right. the next couple of years. I think Lavois is, is pretty much what you see is what you get with him um, as far as like physically and you know how much his game is is it gonna improve? I I think you know, what you saw this year is pretty much what you're going to get from them.
3: Well, the category he was really strong in was skill, where he gave him 8 out of 9, uh, but he had a 4 out of 9 when it comes to compete. Uh, now, the playoffs, a different story. He, his numbers in the playoffs were really, really strong. Uh, but uh, is was that a, a big thing you saw over the course of the season uh, with a concern for his compete?
5: Yeah, I mean, if his it's, if it's compete, I like... Uh you know, a, a, a seventh grade or even the sixth grade, I, I think he'd be a bit higher in the rankings, but this is mm-hmm. a lot of a uh, question mark for us as far as, like, you know, compete level, which is really important. Uh, and, you know, work ethic, consistency, it, it's all like a bit, uh, you know, all things we talk about all year long with him. It's like, we like the skill, we like, you know, at his best, you know, we, we think he's a easy a top 20 pick even maybe even a top 15 pick but you know those issue with you know work ethic and his compete level or you know made him made us uh, you know drop him you know during the course of the year
3: Jerome Berube from hockeyprospect.com my guest here on the pipeline show we're looking at players out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh that are available for the 2019 NHL draft you can pick up the black book go to hockeyprospect.com Next up is uh, Jacob Pelche, uh, played with the Moncton Wildcats this season. Not the biggest guy in the world, and my the, r- the red flag after reading the, the black book is the five next to skating. If you're small and you're not a great skater, that's a concern for me. Uh, tell me about Jacob Pelche and, and uh, what you like and if you have some concerns too.
5: Well, yeah, like you said, definitely the size uh, skating combo is not uh, perfect. I, yeah. yeah. Um, uh so that's why he's a bit like over in our rankings. Um but you know, if you take this aside uh, we really like this player. Uh I've I'm probably higher than him than most guys on on our staff, but um I think uh he's got like an, an amazing work ethic. Um like his compete level is really good. Uh he um he's a very smart arcade player, um a bit like Poulain, uh like he makes player our own better um he uh can play pretty much in any situation for you like ultimate team guy uh there's a lot to like but you know the 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 question mark uh the skating is a bit at this size is a bit uh of a question mark for us um also uh you know we don't he had a lot of points this year, but we don't view him as a, like a top six forward going forward. We, we feel he's more of a you know a third line at best uh, when we project him.
3: Okay, well, we'll uh, keep that in mind. Uh, Mikhail Abramov played for Victoriaville this year. Uh, I have not seen him play. Again, uh, an undersized forward. Uh, what can you tell me about him?
5: I really liked him. Um, he's more of a, you know, the, the teams that that's gonna draft him will need to be uh a bit patient with him. Like he's he's really not big, uh, but he's he's very smart. Um and uh his game really got better in the second half of the year. Um you know first half of the year he was he was playing well um but I think by December he had maybe three or four goal or four goals. So I was a bit you know, I like his game. I was a bit worried about you know if you can't score in a queue that's <laughs> a bit of a, a problem going forward at the pro level but it's not like he has a as a bad shot either. Um but uh second half of the year he really got more confident with his shot. Um he used it a lot more than in the first half. Um so he's he's always gonna be like more of a a playmaker but you know I was really glad to see him use his his shot more and I think he scored twelve goal after Christmas so that was you know really really nice to see because I really like the I really like the player uh he works hard uh he's pretty good uh both sides uh, of the ice um like skating is skating could be a little bit better but it's not a it's not a big weakness I feel like once he gets a bit stronger uh skating will will get a bit better um so, and you know as well like turn now. uh not not really a strong team this year, so you know he played mostly on the top line there with another draft eligible player. So not a lot of uh, you know help as far as like veteran on the team there.
3: I won't say where you have him ranked because it's uh, outside of the top thirty-one, which people can see for free at hockeyprospect.com. So get the black book; you can see where uh, Mikhail Abramov is is uh, ranked. But right behind him is Nathan Lagare, who did have a very offensive season this year so i was interested to to hear you know after a 45 goal 87 point uh, season for lagare and abramov had just 16 goals and 54 points so uh, why you would have lagare behind abramov even though again they're side by side so maybe it's a tie but why the difference
5: yeah it was pretty close when we actually me and mark were talking about where like slot or or q guys um i feel like um Abramov being a center uh, gives him a little bit extra value. Um, also, I like the uh, the sense more on on Abramov than than Lagari. Hmm. Um, and one thing I've I said about Abramov not having a ton of help around him, uh, Lagari had a lot of help on a on the top team in the league. You know, he played with two in on his line. He, he played with Gabriel Fortier, uh, who was a Tampa Bay draft pick and, uh, Ivan Chikovic, who was one of the top players in the league this year. He's a San Jose draft pick. So I think that really helped him. Yeah. Um, like it's, I don't want to take anything away from like I use a player I like, uh, you know, good size, um, really good shot. Um, took, if you compare to his rookie year in the league, very, uh, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but he really shot the puck a lot more this year than he did uh, last year. And even in, in Midget, uh, I saw him playing Midget. Um, so yeah, actually Midget, he was playing on the line with uh, Alexi Lafreniere. So yeah, you know, really a solid effort this year. He really put a lot puck, a lot more pucks on net, and you know, obviously with 45 goal, uh, that really paid off for him.
3: Well, the way you describe him uh, and playing with some really talented line mates makes me think he might be the the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League version of uh, Braden Tracy out here, who uh, Mark and I were just talking about in the last segment, a guy who played with two overage players uh, as well and and uh, maybe fit in, and I think they're ranked around right around the same area as well, so that makes sense. Uh, let's go to Artemi. Now, is it Niazev or Kaniazev? Uh, he's a defenseman with uh Shikudemi. I'm not sure the, the exact pronunciation, but uh, I know this is a guy that a lot of people like, and uh, maybe you guys don't like quite as much. Uh, is he a bit of a? Some people like him a lot more than you guys do. Is that fair to say?
5: Well, I'm not sure what other people think, but uh, like I, I, I like him. He's a, he, uh he's a, you know, a good skater. I think playing on the big ice and shakudami really helps him. Um. Um. He's a he's an offensive defenseman who really likes to uh, rush the puck, and that's you know if you if you watch him, it's pretty easy to see that he really he really likes to rush the puck. Um, one thing I'll say just from watching him at the beginning of the year and watching him at the in the second half of the year, his defensive game really got better uh, as the season went on. Um, I was really worried that he'd be. Uh, really an issue for him going forward but uh, they really did some great work with him um, improving his defensive game uh, his compete level in his own zone and now you know he's a you know he's not a it's not a problem for him um, and even like I really like his compete level in his own zone um, so that that was really nice to see him improve I think where we we're a bit uh, not as, high as I was in. Um, not as high on him as maybe other people or it's mostly offensively where um, you know, he had, the, I believe, 34 points. Um, I want, I'm not sold yet on on his uh, vision on the power play. Like, yeah. he does a lot of nice things like skating. He creates a lot of play with his feet um, but as far as like creating play from on the power play and with his, you know, mostly the passing game, I'm not uh I'm not sold yet on it. Um, you know, and he had all the point time he wanted this year in screen me. And um, you know, only thirty four points with his skill set I kind of like expected about, you know, more points than, you know, thirty four. So, you know, watching him play on a power plate that was got me a bit worried going uh, you know, watching him this year. So that's why he's a bit I think, well we're on our, on our list. Um, so, mostly, like, his vision on the plot play, kind of uh, a bit of a question mark for me.
3: All right, that's fair. Um, the uh, last player I want to ask you about today, Jerome, is uh, Max Tchaikovic, who played in St. John. And, you know, you talk about uh, not being uh, on a very good team, a talented player, not on a very good team, sort of like Peyton Krebs out here with uh, the Kootenai Ice. But Tchaikovic uh, is a guy who does make your final ranking, Uh, I wouldn't say that he's extremely high on your final ranking, but um, a a skilled player, but maybe left people wanting a little bit more this year.
5: Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty much accurate. Um, You know, came in first overall pick in the C H L import draft. A really like a tough situation for him going to Saint John. Really not a good team this year. Um, Like we we like the skill. Uh, he's definitely skilled. Um, he's got a good shot. Um, he's a good skater. Um, yeah, there's right. a lot to like, um, but you know he's a bit le- a bit like Laviolette. As far as like we have some issue with you know his uh, consistency, his compete level, and mm. you know that's that was a one thing we noticed during the year about him. And you know he, he was also a healthy scratch at uh, times during the year on, you know, on the, uh, second worst thing in the league or worst team, like at least one of the two worst teams in the league. Um, so that, that really kind of, uh, not set an, an alarm on him, but I was like, okay, uh, that's interesting. he was a healthy scratch. Um, so I feel like in the second half of the year, his game got a bit better. Um, so he's a he's kind of a, a bit of a wild card in in draft because i uh, me and mark were talking so let's say Alifax had him on on his team what you know uh, if you look at his point total obviously his point total will be a lot higher if you play a you know with good player around him so it's uh, he's a little bit of a tough one to to scout. Uh, you like the skill but there's some like issue. Uh, whereas, you know, there's compete level and uh, he's a bit of a a boomer, I guess a boomer boss prospect
0: Yeah.
5: Uh, forward. So, you know, where we have him rank is, you know, it's kind of a part that, you know, if we have a, a late pick, he'd probably be, a, you know, a good, a good guess, I guess, for, for us to take.
3: It's funny when you mentioned that. Uh, what if, how would he look if he was with Halifax? Because I was thinking the same, something along the same line. If he was on a team that you know they most nights you're expecting Saint John to lose, maybe as a player it's hard to get excited and give it your all every night because you know you're going to lose the game. So if he was on a good team, would that compete level be greater? And then you mentioned. Uh, uh, Raphael Lavois and he was on Halifax, and the compete level wasn't there every night. So maybe well, we shouldn't just assume that just because Chakovich was with Saint John that he'd be a better player somewhere else. Fair?
5: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, sure, like his uh, offensive toll will be a lot higher in Halifax, but yeah. that uh, that doesn't mean your compete level would be uh, eight on our uh, rating system, you know? Right. right. So, um. Solution would have been better for him to show more of his skills in, in a team like artifacts, but that doesn't change uh, the fact about, you know, lack of a compete level and work ethic in general. So that doesn't, I don't think it will change much in in that aspect.
3: Jerome, uh, great to talk with you all throughout the season and uh, looking forward to it again next year. Enjoy the draft and uh, I guess enjoy the next uh, little bit of summer that you get before you get back at, back to the scouting and, and getting back in the ranks. All right, thanks, Guy. That's a look at the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League contribution to the 2019 NHL draft this year. Thanks to Jerome for being our guide on that one. Uh, some interesting players at the high end, uh, for me at least. Uh, I, I am curious about... Uh, Uh, Jacob Pelche and and Raphael Lavois and and Samuel Poulin. But after that kind of thins out for me. And maybe that just might be because I'm uh, way out here and I don't know the players uh, that are playing in the queue nearly as well. Uh, So that might just be a a personal, I wouldn't say bias, because I have nothing against them, but just in unfamiliarity uh, more than anything. Let's go to the Ontario Hockey League next. And uh, Brad Allen, his first time on the Pipeline Show. He's a scout also with HockeyProspect.com. We're going to get to know some of the players out of the OHL next, here on the Pipeline Show. Here's
0: Perlini. Perlini loads it up, and he scores! It's a trick! Hey, it's
2: Brendan Perlini from Niagara Ice Dogs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Now-
8: Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.
0: listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
3: And here he is, having the time of his life. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We moved from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in the conversation with Jerome Berube to my next guest, also from HockeyProspect.com as uh, all the guests are today as the Black Book is now out and available for you and all uh, your draft nerd uh, endeavors. Endeavor is probably the wrong word, but uh, you can get your fix for the NHL draft. Anyway, the Black Book is The staple, the Bible, the benchmark in the uh, independent scouting industry. And uh, my next guest is part of the team. Uh, Brad Allen joins me now. Uh, We're going to chat some Ontario Hockey League guys. Uh, Welcome to the Pipeline Show, Brad. Good to chat with you. Thanks
1: for having me, Youngie.
3: No problem. No problem whatsoever. Let's get right to it because there's a number of guys to touch on. And uh, the guys outside your top 31, which people can see for free at hockeyprospect.com, I won't mention where those guys are ranked, Uh, but Phil Tomasino is the top guy out of the OHL. He comes in your final ranking at 18. I had him on the show down in Red Deer at the CHL top prospect game. Really enjoyed the conversation with him. And I liked the way, uh, what I saw from him there. But that's just one game. You've seen him a lot. Tell me what's to like about Phil Tomasino.
1: Phil Tomasino is a pretty well-rounded center. He's a, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife type of player. You can put him in a lot of spots on the ice and he can do a lot of things. Uh, he's about six feet tall, 180 pounds, but he doesn't play, uh, his size. He plays bigger than the size. Uh, he's good along the boards. He's strong on the puck. Uh, he's hard to uh, he's hard to check properly. He's, he's very evasive, and that's because of his edge work, which is one of his better attributes. Uh, he's also a pretty skilled player and a pretty intelligent player. So he's good down low around the net area, and he's also good above the hash marks.
3: Thirty-four goals this year, seventy-two points. Uh, obviously, an offensive guy. That was a really deep team. Um, So when you know it comes to next year, you projecting a big jump forward for him as a few guys move on from the Niagara Ice Dogs and he gets more opportunity.
1: Yes, for sure. The the more ice time he gets, the the better he'll become. And he already developed at quite a good pace this year and was probably the most consistent OHL player, which is one of the reasons we have him uh, so highly ranked uh but yeah with with extended ice time and becoming one of the go-to main guys on Niagara he's going to he's going to be able to take off and get uh, far more points than he did the, this previous year.
3: The first segment of the show today we had uh, Mark on Mark Edwards from uh, hockeyprospect.com talking about the changes to the black book this year and the the grading scale uh in four categories the hockey sense compete skill and skating uh, on a 3 to 9 scale 9 being a uh elite uh Thomasino seven in three of the four categories compete the the one where he's not a seven, but that's still a six so really pretty uh pretty strong across the board there
1: yeah he's he's a well rounded and versatile player and and my personal viewings he was probably even closer to a seven compete than a six, so mm. it it kind of depends on your viewings for compete it's a bit more there's a bit more variables and variation in that attribute but uh he, you know he he doesn't mind getting hit he's really hard to play against and uh, he doesn't mind going to high-traffic areas uh, to score a goal or make a play, and that's why we have his compete ranked as a 6, and sometimes it's even a 7.
3: All right, next guy on the list comes in at 19. That's Thomas Harley, defenseman with uh, the Mississauga Steelheads. This is a guy I remember chatting with uh, Mark about earlier, probably midway through the season, and um, maybe a, a bit of a guy who had uh, split reviews uh, on the staff. Uh, I wonder if that's fair to say, because I know Mark, at, the, at least at that time, wasn't necessarily a big fan
1: well with with harley it it's it's kind of how much talent is there compared to how much compete is there so mm-hmm. there there's a ton of talent with thomas harley uh but there's also really inconsistent compete levels so in one game he'll hit he'll hit players off the puck he'll box out players effectively he doesn't mind battling uh, his pace will be better and then we see a really effective version of thomas harley that looks like a bonafide a ranked player and a first-round talent for sure, and then other games he looks disinterested, lethargic. He doesn't even seem to want to block shots properly or get into lanes at the rate he should. And that version of Harley is the one that scared Mark off.
3: Well, he's it's, it's, he still uh, gets that A rank uh, from HockeyProspect.com in the Black Book. Uh, so I guess the the so many positives I guess outweigh the the one negative. You just hope that whichever team selects him, they're able to uh, get that consistent effort from him.
1: So what, the, the reason we still have him as an A-rated player is when you look at uh, ways that he could compensate for his compete level if it is off, he has those tools. So he's one of the best passers in this class. Mm-hmm. He's excellent at extending his passes over two lines. Uh, he's going to be one of the more efficient puck distributors of being able to move the puck out of his own end and up the ice, which is obviously very valuable asset to any NHL team and something NHL teams always look for. And there's a ton of raw, untapped offensive upside there that we think is just starting to show. And so if he starts to develop Properly and and increases his pace, or you might end. He might end up being the best OHL player out of this class.
3: Speaking of the best of, uh, when I had uh, Vlad Koliochanok on the show, uh, as I was setting up the interview to have him on, uh, I was told that uh, I needed to get him on the show because he could eventually become the best Belarusian NHLer of all time. Uh, Which you know, it it sounds impressive, but going through the the list of former NHLers uh, from Belarus, uh, not exactly a. um a stellar list i think ruslan soleil or something like that is one of the top guys at this point but that's not to take away from kolya chanak and you guys have him ranked uh, 22nd you give him a b and uh it's pretty rare to see a guy get an elite level rating but you have a nine next to him for skating now that's to offset a number five at hockey sense but that skating must be pretty pretty sensational
1: We only gave out, I think, five, nine ratings in the book, so he managed to grab one which speaks volumes to, uh, as you just described, his skating. He's one of the best skaters in this entire class and arguably the best skater on the back end in this class. Uh, he's, he's, he has phenomenal mechanics and he, he looks weightless. That's kind of how we describe it in the book. He he, he looks weightless when he's trying to t- take off. So it allows him to recover at an amazing rate, which is very important for his game since his hockey sense can be mixed. Hmm. Um, depending on the viewing, he has a bit of difficulty dealing with the forecheck down below the goal line. And in other viewings, you know, he, he does a pretty good job with it. Uh, one of the problems with trying to identify exactly what, uh, what Vladisov can become is due to the team he's on. You know, Flint gets overrun quite often. They're not a very good team, so he didn't get too many opportunities to almost showcase uh, what he's capable of doing with the with his speed, and we saw more of it uh, internationally last season, even. And then at the U18s, you saw him kind of take over, and he looked far far better. So we think that if he can, if he does translate, he's not going to be like a, a Thomas Harley type of player, but he's he's going to be able to be a minute eater who can rely on his skating to move the puck out of the zone, and uh, that's valuable.
3: Uh, Twenty nine points this year in fifty three games, only four goals, though not a not a shooter.
1: Uh, he can shoot the puck. He, he actually has a plus release point and he knows how to get it through traffic. It's just, it kind of goes back to, to Flint. They don't get too many opportunities okay. in the offensive end and, um, uh, we expect those point totals to, to increase. It, it's more, he, there's inconsistency with how much he asserts himself into each game mm. because unfortunately with Flint, sometimes there was games where they were down four or five nothing early. And it, it almost, it seemed like it sunk the team. The, the momentum of the, the game was taken from them, and uh, Vladislav was unfortunately a part of that and wasn't able to get going. But when it came to, for instance, the U18s, uh, even with the game down 8 9 nothing at times against Canada, he was still competing. So we think it might be more due to the environment he was in, but uh, we'll see next season. But either way, we do like him, and he has tremendous tools. So we're hoping those tools will translate and make our ranking look good.
3: Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com is my guest right now as we uh, look at some of the guys out of the OHL that factor heavily into the, uh, the Black Book ranking, uh, which you can find at HockeyProspect.com. Next is a uh, rank number 26, Ryan Suzuki, who uh, this year had 75 points. 25 of those were goals uh, with the Barry Colts. Uh, now, the Ryan Suzuki, we know Nick Suzuki. This is his younger brother. I uh, saw him at the Holinka Gretzky Cup here in Edmonton uh, this past summer uh, and liked him but didn't necessarily uh, blow me away uh, what sort of impression has he made with you over the course of the season?
1: Yeah, he doesn't play very similar to his brother, um, but he is arguably more talented. Um, I remember the first few I saw of him that he, you know, I, I was kind of in the boat of, I don't know what this player is actually going to end up developing into in his draft year, it was at the U-17s last season.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, he scored over, I think, a point per game in that tournament, but I remember saying to myself they were empty points. he's too much. He's on the perimeter a lot, uh, his compete is extremely inconsistent. Uh, he doesn't know how to take over a game, even though his talent level and tools uh, should theoretically allow him to take over most games in the OHL, and that's reflective uh, in his point totals. Uh, he has a tremendous uh, shot, but you wouldn't think it based off his goal output. Uh, he doesn't Really recognize when he should shoot uh, because he is an instinctive playmaker, right. and uh, I mean that's good to a degree because his passing ability is so high end. He's one of the most talented players in this draft, and arguably one of the top five playmakers. Uh, but he needs to learn when to pick his spots on the ice to do his, you know, to pass and to shoot, and he hasn't figured that out yet. And he needs to learn how to uh, cut inside into heavy traffic and and uh, use his skating. More than he currently does.
3: Yeah, well, that eight uh, for under his skill ranking or rating uh, is pretty darn impressive. But there is that five under compete. So another guy who doesn't bring it necessarily every night.
1: Yeah, it, it's very inconsistent. He's he for me, he's probably the most frustrating player in this class. Mm-hmm. He, he drove me. You know, it, it was there were some viewings where you see. Uh, this flicker of hope where it's like, okay, if he continues to do this now for an extended couple weeks and maybe he can keep developing here and move up the rankings. But unfortunately, uh, he was unable to be as consistent as he needed to be. But, uh, regardless of that, this is a very talented player. And, uh, if he can figure out an on switch and flip a switch, then he has an opportunity to really make our rankings looked poor uh, down the stretch.
3: Well, when it comes to compete, maybe the opposite end of the spectrum is Jamison Reese, who uh, gets an 8 under that category uh, for you guys. He's ranked uh, 31, so uh, right at the end of the first round for uh, for your individual uh, team rankings, the team being HockeyProspect.com. But uh, Jamison Reese, uh, lots of compete, uh, tries hard every night, uh, but does lack a little bit in the hockey sense and the skating category. Tell me why.
1: This is one of Mark uh, Mark Edwards' personal favorites. Uh, he he loves Jamison Reese, and uh, for good reason. He's an incredibly competitive player, and uh, he he's a pretty skilled player too. Uh, but he gets more out of his game than you think he should at times, and and that's just because he's one of those hockey player type of players. Like he just knows how to play the game the right way, and he knows how to overwhelm players just willing plays. Uh, into existence that, that aren't there. And He's creative, and he's skilled, and he can do a lot of good things, even on the forecheck, despite his size. Um, the problem is, as you just alluded to, is his skating is more 5 than a 6, um, and that's not good given his size. He's probably around 5'10", I think, 5'10", 170, so he definitely needs to improve his uh skating output in order to uh, translate to the next level, but the mechanics aren't too bad. It's more a power thing. So, we're thinking if he can get a bit stronger, then that should help him a lot. Um, and then with his, with his hockey sense, it's, it's more bipartisan to who he's uh, lined up with on Sarnia, because we didn't see the same concerns internationally. It was mostly in league play, whereas the hockey sense was a bit more mixed.
3: Oh, interesting. Well, one of the parts of the black book I enjoy the most is the, the, the scouts, uh, quotes, the quotes from, uh, scouts, and, uh, uh, under the write up for Jamison Reese, there's lots of mentions of comparables to Travis Konechny and Brad Marchant, maybe Brendan Gallagher. Uh, although those guys are, you know, undersized players, I don't think of them as slow. Though, are those things when you look back at uh, those players as juniors, were they? Is that something they worked on? Uh, and that and maybe Jamison Reese is, is similar. Skating one of those uh, traits that I think he can probably improve on the most, uh, just with uh, by technique and, and training, but. Um those comparables uh, ring true to you?
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they make sense. I, I I remember when me and Mark first discussed them, it was more like a poor man Travis Connectney. So the, there's where the poor man's <laughs> reference comes in because as right. you said, Konechny was uh, a faster and, and slightly more talented player than Reese's. Um, the, the thing that you need though if you, if you do have average skating is a relentless pace. If you have a relentless drive, it kind of compensates for your skating and, mm-hmm. and that's what's happened with Reese here. So, we're thinking that that could translate at the next level as well. If he can get to a six skating, even with his size, he still might be able to do some real damage in the NHL because of the relentless drive and pace that he keeps.
3: Alright, just outside of the top 31 So I won't uh, mention where these guys are ranked now uh, Come Black Book Time uh, People uh, that are listening to this can figure that out for themselves uh, Connor McMichael, the next OHL guy to chat about Played for the London Knights this year Again, another uh, undersized player But uh, sounds like there is a player in there What can you tell us about Connor McMichael?
1: McMichael's an interesting player. He's been a bit divisive as well, kind of like Suzuki and and a uh, kid we'll get to shortly here, Kaliev, and a lot of other OHL players. It's been a pretty interesting year to say to scout the OHL. It's been a difficult one, and uh, this player is another reason why. Uh, because he, depending on the game, you get two different versions. One game he'll be invisible and mm. and draw a curtain over himself, and another game he looks excellent. He, he you know, and it starts with his hockey sense he 's a really smart player. He can make quick one touch passes with the puck. He rarely forces plays. He identifies soft dice quickly and he has a plus shot to to take advantage of so uh, that that gave him I think he scored thirty seven goals this year, which is a really impressive number, uh, especially if you see him enough you 'd be like uh, you 'd say that that wouldn 't translate because there are too many games where he 's inconsistent, but uh, he he 's still produced
3: uh, i 'm going to go to Arthur kaliev next and um I remind people that I am not a scout. I host a uh, prospect show, and I I see a lot of prospect hockey because I do the broadcast for the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, And I was at the Holinka Cup, this uh, Holinka-Gretzky Cup in August uh, in Edmonton and uh, was at the top prospect game. Kaliev was outstanding in both of those events and scored 51 goals this year. The outside looking in, I'm wondering, this guy's going to be ranked pretty high. But you guys don't have him ranked uh, where a lot of people uh, probably would expect that you have him ranked. Uh, and there's probably good reason for that. Maybe explain Arthur Callie. I have a bit of an enigma there maybe.
1: Uh, yeah, so he, he's one of the best snipers in this entire draft and he needs very little time and space to get the puck at the back of the net. Uh, unfortunately he comes with a lot of uh, warts in his game. Uh, he, he's a very average skater and his compete for us is poor. And unfortunately, that was consistent the entire season. It never let up. Uh, he he was arguably the worst forechecker in my personal viewings. Mm. And um, unless he's scoring, he's not going to be able to do too much for a team. So he kind of falls into the uh, Cole Caulfield uh, situation, where a lot of scouts are going to say, "Well, if if they're not scoring, what are they?" And it, it usually it means they're not going to be doing much else. So with Arthur Calias, it in order to be able to score as prolifically in the NHL as he currently does in the OHL, he's going to have to fix his skating, but his mechanics are a bit wonky, and there just seems to be a lack of internal drive in this player, so it's leaving scouts kind of skeptical on on how they're going to be able to develop him
3: properly. And just looking at some of the comments and quotes from the scouts, uh, one comparison to Pavel Brendel, who, for uh, those out here in the uh, western half of the country, uh, was a dominant junior hockey player for the Calgary Hitman and obviously went nowhere, uh, once it got, uh, to the, to the next level. That was, uh, about Arthur Kaliev. next up is Nick Robertson, who was the running mate for Kaliev at both the Holinka Gretzky Cup and at the CHL Top Prospect Game. That line in Red Deer with Peyton Krebs on it was fantastic. But again, small sample size for people like me, the scouts like you, uh, Brad, um, to see a different, uh, different picture, a different player. Um, tell me about Nick Robertson. Undersized, but boy, when I saw him, there was lots of skill.
1: Yeah, there there is some similarities to Kaliev in, in terms of skill in his, sh- uh, his shot. He has an excellent release point, and he has excellent hands, so he's able to beat players cleanly one on one and threaten from far out above the hash marks. Um, he also has a much much more consistent compete level, and off ice seems to understand the whole drive situation where he knows what he needs to do. Uh, in order to make it. Uh the problem with Robertson is that he as you as you said, he's small, very small. He's about I think he's five eight, maybe a buck fifty. He's a very small player mm-hmm. and I we don't think he's gonna grow a whole lot, so he's gonna need to get way stronger. Uh, he's he's off balance um, when he's trying to push off. He he gets knocked to the ice easily. So it's it's for sure a strength concern with uh, Robertson. But uh, given his frame, there might not be too much room for him to grow, which might scare uh, a lot of scouts off of him when it comes to drafting.
3: All right, uh, a player who came to my attention later in the year. In fact, it was a listener request to get him on the show. Uh, is Ethan Keppen. You mentioned the Flint Firebirds. Not a very good team this year. Might have been one of the few bright spots for that club. Uh, and I had him on the show, and really liked him. Seemed like a really confident uh, sounding player, and and uh, wanted to make a difference in Flint. Does he make a difference on the ice? What kind of a player is Ethan Kepin?
1: Uh, Kepin is a power forward who had a very good season. Uh, he kind of forced uh, my hand and marks to a degree because of how much production. He started to to have he, mm-hmm. he you know he he's not a kid who's going to score too many highlight reel goals for you, but he has pretty good hockey sense and he knows how to get into heavy traffic and get the kind of the jam goal or the rebound goal. Um, he he also has pretty good backhand, uh, so there, there's ways for him to score and he knows how to get to those those areas to score those goals. Uh he also knows how to play the body. He's good on the forecheck. Uh he's a big kid. I think 6'2", two, 200 pounds. Yeah. So there's a good frame to work with. Uh with Kepin, it's mostly his skating. His skating's a 5. He he relies on his power to get going, but he needs to improve his mechanics if he wants to play at the next level.
3: He's got the hockey sense and, and things like that to to uh to make it at the next level, you think that uh, there there is a player in there. He's just got to find a way to move his feet.
1: Yeah, he's not a—he's not going to be like a high-end playmaker or anything, or he's not going to fit on a power play. But if you put him on a four-checking role and uh, get him to hit everybody and get to the front of the net, then he might be able to chip in offensively and be a plus contributor for a team.
3: Okay. Uh, Last guy I want to chat about is uh, one of the – it's a very short list of goaltenders that you uh, at HockeyProspect.com have have given an actual ranking to, just six goalies uh, making the list. Uh, And one of them is out of the OHL, and Hunter Jones uh, really enjoyed the conversation I had with him earlier this season. And I know he was ranked fairly high uh, throughout the year. Uh, Tell me about Hunter Jones and why he's uh, maybe the best goaltender out of the OHL this year and and one of the guys you expect to go uh, in the uh, NHL draft.
1: So Hunter Hunter started the season really strongly. Uh, he stole some games early for us, and that's when we really put him on the map. And was like, okay, hey, we got to keep watching him. Uh, he's a he's a big goalie. He's six four, and he's super reflexive for his for his height and size. Uh, he has great reaction time. Uh, he can stop a lot of really high difficult shots because of that. Uh, unfortunately, as the season progressed, it seemed like his conditioning took a hit. Uh, because of how weak Peterborough's uh, defense was. So he was getting too high a shot volume per game, and we think that really affected him. And uh one aspect we are kind of in the dark with with Hunter is to why why certain games he just seemed almost unprepared uh, there were there were games where he just would let in a goal that he you know he shouldn't have let in and then there were other performances where he stood on his head and looked very very consistent so with hunter it's all about getting the mental game to catch up to the uh physical tools that he has
3: all right, that's Hunter Jones of the Peterborough Peets. Uh, well, listen, Brad, I really appreciate getting a chance to chat with you. We'll do it again uh, next year for sure and uh, make sure that you're in the, the uh, rotation on an ongoing basis. Uh, great to chat with you this year. Enjoy the draft and uh, the very short offseason you have coming up before you get back into the rink. That sounds good, Keith. Thanks. I will definitely be calling on uh, Brad next year. Terrific uh, debut here on the Pipeline Show for Brad Allen of HockeyProspect.com, letting us know about the OHL players ahead of the 2019 NHL Draft. All right, up next, we're going to head south of the border, USHL and uh, US high school players, and it's a long list. We're not going to talk about the US National Development Program. We did that last week with the, uh, the voice of the U18 squad, the U18 and the U17 squad, uh, Pete Krupski. So if you missed it last week, go check out that one because that's where we talk about all the, you know, the Jack Hughes and the Trevor Zegris and the Matthew Boldy and the Alex Turcott and the, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, we went in-depth last week doing that. So this week we're going to look at the rest of the USHL. And in fact, the scouting community really separates uh, the, the U.S. national development team from the USHL. The league doesn't because... Obviously, they like to be able to say they have, you know, so many players uh, drafted out of the league, and I understand that. Uh, but the players themselves, the, US, uh, the U18 squad, they only play a third of their calendar in the USHL. I mean, they, they're they playing internationally, and they're also playing NCAA opponents. So I, I'm pretty sure that's why the scouts take them out of the USHL, uh, you know, for their various rankings. Central scouting does it. So does HockeyProspect.com. That would be why. So we're going to get to know the rest of the US USHL and the US high school players that made the cut here for HockeyProspect.com. It's a long segment, the longest segment of this uh, episode. So uh, grab a coffee, settle into an, a comfy chair. Dustin Braxma is my guest. That's up next here on the Pipeline Show.
2: Amblers win the draw. Mackie with it now. Blue line for Middlestead. Fardot shoots and scores! K.C. Middlestad from the far dot, and the Gamblers lead 2-1. to one. That's a power play goal for K.C.
0: Middlestad.
2: It's Casey Middlestad from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Clowns to the me. to the right,
7: here
1: I am stuck in the middle with you.
4: Passion.
0: Talent. Development NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves, Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko, Score! and Patrick Sharp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Drive turkey is
3: a little over the line, my man. Continuing on with the 2019 NHL Draft Special brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. My name is Guy Flaming and this is The Pipeline Show. And uh, this segment, the fourth uh, section of uh, the special today, uh, we're going to spend south of the border, south of the Canadian border. I don't want you to think we're going to Mexico. Uh, It's the USHL and a bunch of high school guys as well. Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com joins me once again. Dustin, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to be with you. Uh,
3: Thanks for making the time. Uh, All right, let's get to it. Uh, We had uh, Mark on earlier in the show. He explained all the changes to the Black Book and uh, why there's only uh, what is it, just over 100 guys ranked, uh, 100 skaters and 6 goaltenders, and some of the ratings, the A's and the B's and the C's, what all that means. Um, So we don't have to touch on that with you, but let's go to... One of my favorite parts of the Black Book, Dustin, is the scouts' comments, uh, and whether they're NHL guys or you and your staff, uh, uh, the other scouts on the uh, hockey prospect staff, I always find those to be really relatable. Just they're in in normal English, just the way guys talk about players. One of the interesting uh, players the write ups is Bobby Brink, and uh, of the uh, the non UNT U.S. National Development Program players, we're not going to talk about Team USA in this segment uh but one of the highest ranked uh, USHL guys is Bobby Brink and his write up one of the longest i think in the black book because the opinions of him seem to be really all over the place and and it almost seemed like and i know this is turning out to be the longest question of all time but um <laughs> bobby brink it seemed like the, the the opinion of him early on was too small can't skate and by the end of the write up it's like still too small but and still not a great skater but boy he does everything else so well they kind of overlooked the other things. Tell me about Bobby Brink from your opinion. I know we've chatted about him a little bit earlier in the season, but uh, at the end of the year here, a week before the draft, what's your opinion of Bobby Brink?
2: Sure, yeah, and I know there's a wide range of opinions on his skating, and I think it's a, I think it's important, at least for me, to break down his skating a little bit, where I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, it's just awkward-looking as mm-hmm. far as his stride goes. Um But for, he may not have blazing straight line speed, but he has good agility and he has, he's very shifty on his feet. So he can, while he doesn't look very fast when he's in full stride, he gets the pucks fast and he does that, at least in my viewings, he does it out of, he does it through hockey sense and he does it for being shifty and, um, with good east-west agility. So, you know, you can break down his straight ahead speed as he, is he the most gorgeous skater you've ever seen? No. Is he the fastest? No. Especially for a player his size, you'd like somebody that, that size to be faster, but I don't think it affects him in the type of game he tries to play. So uh, that's why I think you see a lot of quotes in, in the book where he can overcome his skating because you you can't have three Blazers on a line either, right? Like you you have to have some separation. You have to you kind of have to find the soft spots in the defense and stuff. So it's not like he's probably never going to be the fastest player on his line, and that's okay because he's so good at, first of all, his routes to pucks are are really good, and he reads the play really well. So he comes across a lot faster than than it looks when you look at his pure skating stride.
3: And those four categories that are outlined for each player in the black book, which, uh, again, fans can go pick up the black book at hockeyprospect.com. But the four categories, hockey, sense, compete, skill, and skating. Skating, as you touched on, not great, so he's a five. But everything else is an eight, and that's on a three to nine scale. So really close to elite in three of the four categories. I mean, it sounds like a really appealing player.
2: Yeah, and the one thing that kind of puts him over the top as far as a player an undersized forward like him is his work ethic too. And, you know, and, you know, I've been watching him for a couple of years now and he embraces challenges and he works to get better at it. So, um, that's another, it's kind of like an intangible where you're also, you know, you add that to the entire formula and, you know, you you can dismiss his speed because not everybody in the NHL is fast. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think there was one quote by a scout that Logan Couture comes to mind, and that's a great example where he's fast enough with the puck and his hockey IQ makes up for any speed or any lack of skating he might have.
3: Now, I, I won't mention where you guys have uh, players ranked outside of the top 31 because uh, the top 31 is, uh, is publicly available on your website uh, already and other places as well, but uh, you have him 15. Coming in at number 20 is the next USHL guy with uh, Ryan Johnson from the sioux mm-hmm. falls stampede i've been trying to get him mm-hmm. on the show for the last uh, almost month now and haven't been able to to track him down uh, i'm intrigued by this guy as well and obviously you guys like him because he comes in number 20 who we do
2: uh, as a, i think across the board as a staff we all like him uh it took me a little bit longer to come around on him than some of the other people i just kind of wanted to wait to see if there was any offensive pop in his game and i you know I think he can, he's so good defensively and his skating and his four-way directional, um, ability is so good and he, he gets rid of so many scoring chances so easily. It's almost effortless out there that you're almost willing to make up for his lack of offense. And I think some of that might have been situational in Sioux Falls. I think he wasn't really played on the power play. I watched him in midget and AAA with the with the um I think he was the Anaheim Junior Ducks and he was an offensive powerhouse from the point like he could he was he opened up lanes he shifted laterally and I know he um, came down from the point but he wasn't reckless in doing it so he has that in his game mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that was part of the program in Sioux Falls but I eventually came around on him um, late in the year um, I had him ranked about where we ended up putting him. Um, just because of his, his hockey sense and his skating and his ability to shut things down, you know, watching the, you know, the NHL game last night and you watched this, that St. Louis Blues blue line and not that I'm going to compare him, but they just, they keep everything out of the middle, right? And that's exactly what Ryan Johnson does. So I came around on him and I think we have him properly ranked. I think that's probably where he's going to go. I think somebody's going to grab him, um, mid to late in the first round. If I had to, if I had to venture a guess on it.
3: All right, well, if a guy like that uh, falls out of the first round by chance, and uh, somebody's getting a pretty good player uh, early in round two. Yeah. Uh, the next guy to chat about is Zach Jones, an undersized defenseman with the Tri-City Storm out of the USHL. You give him a B rating uh, as well as uh, Ryan Johnson. So in, in terms of the letter grade, uh, not much separating, but uh, you go from 20 for Ryan Johnson down to 38 here for Zach Jones. Uh, tell me about him because I don't think we've chatted about Zach Jones yet
2: we haven't and um the one knock on him early in the year was his skating and his his agility his footwork wasn't quite quite where you wanted it to be for a for a high end prospect where but he sorted that out in a hurry this year i don't know if it was due to strength if he if he just worked on his skating very hard or if he just got physically stronger but i no longer think of his skating as a detriment to his game i think um it's it's actually it's actually, he managed to turn into a positive in his game. Um, and he was very mature defensively. He kind of uh, was teamed, I think he was partners with Ronnie Adder there for most of the season, at least the games I saw. And he kind of played the stay at home role in that defensive pairing. And He was, he's maybe a year and a half, two years younger of a player. He was his rookie year in the league. And I think Ronnie Adder, this was his third year in the league. So second or third. So the younger player sheltered the older player, which is rarely the case in the USHL. And he handled that well. And he was close to a point per game player. So he was able to generate offense, um, even playing a support role. So he was a late riser for me. Um, he moved up my rankings, especially in the playoffs. I thought he was fantastic. Um, the bigger the game, I thought he played marvelously. So um, he was a riser for a lot of us. I think um, he kind of popped on the radar at the World Junior A Challenge, and then after that his game just improved and
3: improved. Dustin Braxman, my guest from HockeyProspect.com. We're looking at USHLers as well as some uh, guys from high school uh, south of the border in the U.S., uh, whether that's in Minnesota or maybe out on the uh, East Coast. And uh, we're going to move quick because there's a lot of guys who we got to get to, Dustin. Uh, next on the list is uh, coming in uh, well it's uh, Jackson Lacombe I won't say where you have him ranked but uh, pretty high uh, and this is a player again we haven't chatted about at all this year uh played at Shattuck st Mary's uh, another defenseman but not undersized uh, just over six foot one uh, and lots of room on his frame still to fill out he's only weighing 170 ish pounds right now but another B rating so uh, another guy that uh, might be a good pick in the second round
2: yeah, he's an interesting story. He was actually, I think, cut from the Shattuck St. Mary's U16 team and actually played AAA, but he was a forward at the time and then switched to defense, and his game just took off. And um I thought he picked up position. very. I think he's only been playing defense for maybe a year and a half or two years, and I thought his growth in the position from the beginning of the season to the end of the season was phenomenal. I thought, um, you know, he can kind of question his decision-making at times, but um, he's he's made leaps and bounds in a short time playing a difficult position. So he's a very aggressive defenseman. He jumps up in the play. He does play like a fourth forward, but when he when he holds that back and when he is smarter about his decision-making, he's very good. And the upside on him is tremendous. I'd put his, his all-around skating right up there as good as Ryan Johnson personally with me. I'm not sure if. Everybody in our staff would agree with that, but he's a fantastic skater. So um, I think I think he's got a really high ceiling, um, and much like Ryan Johnson, he's also a University of Minnesota commit, so they're going to have a couple uh, awesome defensemen here in the next year or
3: two. Well, that answered my next question because I wasn't sure exactly where uh, Jackson Lacombe was headed, so he's uh, joining the Golden Gophers. Is that what you said? Yep. All right. Uh, okay, so the next guy we're going to uh, zero in on is uh, a player that, I know, I think it was, it might have been you and I that talked. It, would, it might have been uh, Mark and I, but uh, Rhett Pitlick was a player that you guys had picked out fairly early, well, about midway through the season, um, and kind yeah. of uh, identified him as, as a guy that uh, people should uh, be looking at a little bit more. Yeah. Um, now, as you watched him over the course of the season, did your opinion change one way or the other? Or is this still a guy you're pretty high on, and Rhett Pitlick?
2: Um,. Did my opinion change on him I don't think so I think I pretty much had him ranked in the same position from start year start of the year to the finish of the year I think he still has a little ways to go but he's a highly skilled offensive player he needs to add a little more north south in his game he gets going east west and you know you can get away with that at the high school level a little bit but he hangs onto the puck a little bit too long he'll circle back in the neutral zone and stuff like that just small stuff that He'll learn to to get out of his game, I think. But his offensive skill is—I mean, he, he can finish around the net. He works hard. He—he's not the biggest kid in the world, but he plays bigger than his size. When he's in battles, he, you don't think he's five foot eight, five foot nine, or whatever he's listed. So, um, I—I'm I, am think he's—he's he's one of those players that you watch and you—you you, you can just see him in the NHL someday, right? Like he may not be a real high pick. You don't, you know, but he's just one that you think will find a way and um that kind of got reaffirmed my thought process on him later in the year when he joined omaha and it took him a couple games to get his feet wet but i caught him towards the end of the year and i thought he really improved his north south game and he moved the puck quicker and he's he's skilled and has the vision to move the puck quicker but i think he just got in such a routine where he could get away with hanging on to the puck for so long in high school that it took a while for him to realize he can't do that so um he's a highly skilled up tempo player he's fast he's you know he he plays a lot like Bobby Brink but he's a better skater than you know as far as speed goes right but he plays a similar type game he's got the same work ethic he's a puck hound out there and um he plays bigger than his size so there's some comparables as far as um those two players go um but yeah I think um like I said, we're not going to say where we have him ranked, but we have him ranked fairly high. And we were we were up on him fairly early in the year when I saw him in the in, uh, fall league and early in the high school season. He was a player that for sure stood out.
3: Well, you give him a B rating. We'll say that much. So that's uh, there you go. kind of a second, third-round pick uh, sort of guy. And another one that gets a B is Shane Pinto. And I, I had Shane on the show uh, fairly earlier this season and uh I it was one of the standout interviews I felt over the course of uh, the year having talked to I don't know 75 85 uh, players uh, this year on the Pipeline show uh, and on paper lots to like 6 foot 2 195ish pounds uh and his numbers are pretty good uh, tell me about Shane Pinto and maybe what you like about him but maybe also why he doesn't rank higher what's he missing that doesn't get him to be you know maybe a, a late first rounder, or very early second round pick
2: that's a good question um that was something that you know i've thought about throughout the year too is why isn't he higher giving his numbers and the situations he's played in and i think a lot of it has to do with his, his playmaking ability i don't think he's an excellent he has an excellent shot he's an excellent goal scorer he goes up and down the ice he works hard but i I just think some of the playmaking isn't quite there yet as far as, you know, it takes a little long for him to see plays develop. And by then the lane's closed off or the situation is closed off and then he relies on his shot. So I think it's just his ability to process situations quickly, but there's a lot to like about him too, because he works hard. He is a North South player. Now you talk about transitioning from a Rhett Pitlick to a Shane Pinto. Shane Pinto is pretty much the exact opposite. He's very much, up and down the ice straight line stop and start player um i think he might project a little bit better as a winger i'm not sure if his hockey sense projects as a as a centerman down the road especially um with his with his playmaking ability not being there yet but you know time will tell sometimes it takes people time to grow into the center position so i'm not completely ready to write him off yet because he has a big body and um he has a good net front presence he's got good hands and he wins battles with his hands and He can fight for position in front and tip pucks. And he's just, he has a lot of pluses in his game. Mm -hmm. I just don't think there's the dynamic ability that you want in a, in a high round pick in a first or second round pick. I think he's Some teams going to like him because of his size. And when he fills out, I think he's just going to be a parent. He's going to be tough to handle down low and in front of the net. So I think some teams really going to like him. So he's one of those players that I'm really interested to see, Exactly what team and system drafts him? Because I'm not going to mention which teams, but I can see him fitting in with a lot of teams the way the style of hockey they play, and it'd be interesting to see if that's in fact one of the teams he goes to.
3: Yeah, uh, 59 points in uh, 56 games this year. He played for Lincoln and Tri City. Uh, the Storm acquired him. They went on the the deep playoff run you mentioned earlier. He had nine points in the playoffs for them and headed to North Dakota. And for me, that's always a positive. Uh, that's one of the programs where guys go in there. I think, well, all right, well, that's a, a proven program that uh, produces NHL talent. So, I'm definitely intrigued yep. uh, by by Shane Pinto. Um, next on the list uh, that we'll uh, head to is a uh, uh, another guy I had on the show. This one fairly recently, John Farinacci. First got to see him at the Linko Gretzky Cup. He captained the uh, Team mm-hmm. USA uh, in, in that tournament, and um, I. I He's he's a he was a really good player. I wouldn't say he's dynamic or like a some sort of offensive juggernaut, but there was something there, maybe a, a character type player. Uh your opinion of of John Farinacci, you've seen him a lot more than I have, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, here's the here's the thing. I I personally I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be an excellent professional hockey player. I think it may take him some time to get there. I don't think he's as highly offensively skilled as some of the other players in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um but I think he's a smart player, and you you touched on it. it's the intangibles. It's the I think there's going to be teams that want him for what he brings, you know, off the ice and his work ethic, and um, you know he he's a good skater. He he, has, he plays a smart two way game, right? He wins faceoffs. You know, he it, it's very he, he doesn't stand out. It's not a player that you're like, wow, he's on tonight. But then you walk, you look back after the game, and you're like. Yeah, all right. I, I, he didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? So there was no great weaknesses in his game. I really wish I could have saw him. I know he battled some injuries throughout the year and he couldn't really play. I know he was brought in by the Ski game, but couldn't play. Finally, he just mailed it in and said, I can't, I can't play any more hockey this year. So I would have liked to see him in the USHL to see how he, how he would have done at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't think that prep league out East was enough, of, was a really a challenge for him some nights. Um, but he's a smart two-way center, and I think I think he's going to find a role. I think mean, he's one of those players that has the, has the hockey IQ and sense to find a role in hockey, no matter what it is. And he's not the type of player that needs to be the number one power play guy, needs to get all the minutes or whatever. I think he's he's going to find a way to find a role down the road. So um, I think he's one of those players too, where five, six, seven years down the road, we're going to maybe wonder how he fell that far in the draft right like you know i'm not sure where he's gonna go but he could turn out to be how did he go in the whatever round right. When look at him you know what i mean yeah. but um it was just his play at the end of the year he just didn't play enough so i could see how he may drop down some lift.
3: yeah 10 years from now he's going to be the captain of the team he plays for i don't know if it's in the nhl or the american hockey league though yep yep yeah, that's a good point absolutely all right, let's go to uh, Ethan Phillips, and here's a player I don't know anything about. So educate me on uh, Ethan Phillips.
2: Yeah, he started the season at Selects Academy out east, and then uh, made the transition to Sioux Falls, and um, he took off. I think he scored in like his first ten or twelve games, or something like that, in the USHL, and he just took off and popped on the radar automatic like right away with me. The first the first couple of games I saw him, he has. He has excellent vision of the ice. He takes, he's not the biggest player, but he takes smart lines to pucks and wins a lot of races. I mean, he's just, he's just, he thinks the game offensively and around the puck so well and so clean that it puts him in a lot of situations to succeed. He has got good hands in traffic. He's, I think he's got a little bit of ways to go in his two way game. I think um, track track, tracking back into the play and his defensive zone he can kind of get lost a little bit Um, but he's got good hands and he's an offensive playmaker Um, and uh, fast skater he's he's, he's got good straight line speed and good feet and traffic so um, I think he's got um, top six offensive ability we'll just see if the rest of his game rounds out for him to completely get there but um, he took off when he got to the USHL. He just took off and some sometimes players need to be challenged to get the most out of their game. And he seemed like one of the players that once he got to the USHL and you know, I think it's it, certainly one of those players that it helped his draft stock going to the USHL rather than selects academy because so it can be kind of difficult to track those players out east in those prep schools because of the level of competition night in and night out just isn't there.
3: Well, and that's impressive that he was able to make that jump to the USHL, and that it, he took off right away, as you described. That that tells me yeah. something about uh, the way he's able to adapt quickly like that, too.
2: Yep, absolutely, and you know that that speaks to his hockey sense and his his IQ and his ability to to just jump right in and you know be a contributor. And his skill kind of takes over games. And he's a and the other thing is he's a fearless player and. He It's not like he jumped into the USHL and was tentative. He, he kind of jumped in with both feet and that that probably contributed to his success early on and throughout the year, I think his play kind of hit a wall towards the end, but then he picked it up again in the playoffs so he's he's definitely a highly skilled forward. I'm looking forward to seeing who takes him and where he goes.
3: Let's go to Jaden Strubel, a defenseman who played high school out in Massachusetts, and uh, yeah. the, the categories for him he he gets good ratings in skating and skill and compete. Not so much in hockey sense. Uh, what's lacking?
2: Well, I think it's it's just his his overall decision making can be questionable at times. He's he's a physical defenseman and he can skate and he he has offensive skill, but I think his judgment can be lacking at sometimes. He gets chasing the play or chasing guys around a little bit, and I think that's maybe where his hockey sense isn't there. But the kid's an athlete first of all like he's 6 foot i think he's plus 6 foot he's almost 200 pounds you look at him and he just looks like an athlete so uh, he can be he can just be a little bit careless with his physicality and take himself out of plays and i think that's where that's what lacks in his hockey sense um but he can move the puck he's an excellent skater um he he has good vision coming when he gains his net and comes out with the puck he, he can check down and um, find guys up ice and he, he moves the puck so I think if he can just kind of rein in his physicality as far as um being careless with it I think he's got tremendous upside he's one of my favorite despite his decision making he's one of my favorite defensive prospects in this league and in, in this draft and I think if he was a little bit smarter when it came to um some of the things he does on the ice I think he was be way he'd be in the top end of the draft for sure.
3: Uh, next player for me uh, on the list to chat about is uh, Igor Afanasiyev, who played for the Muskegon Lumberjacks out of the USHL. I do remember having him on the show as well and how many times I butchered his last name. <laughs> it's not the easiest name in the world, but uh, Afanasyev 6'3 uh, half 200 pounds. He's an offensive guy. Uh, and So again, on paper, there seems to be lots to like, but he gets a 5 in uh, both skating and hockey sense. His compete and his skill yeah. look pretty good, but There seems to be some warts to his game, and it might be fair to say hockey prospect's not as high on Afanasyev as some others uh, might be. Uh, Tell me why.
2: Well, his skating's a five, but I wouldn't call him a poor skater. Five is an average for us. I think he's got, for a big kid that carries a lot of weight, he's got pretty good footwork. I just think it's a straight-line explosiveness, and in the transition game, he can come across as, as a bad or poor or below average skater, but he's got, you know, he's good along the board. You know, he's your prototypical power forward, right? Like he, he can win, he can protect the puck along the wall and he can kind of make plays in traffic and he goes to the net. The issue I had with him, and it's not really his fault, but every time I saw him live, he just didn't have a very good game. And then, I would circle back the next night or I'd get a text from a scout or I'd look at a score sheet and he had two goals and two assists the next night. So it was just kind of poor timing on my part when I saw him. So he's a little bit of a hot and cold player right now. Um But the skills there and the compete factors there. So, and I know people like painting a brush that Russians don't have the highest work ethic. I think we can pretty much throw that stereotype out the window now. I think Russians are coming up a lot more with a lot higher work ethic than they previously had and maybe a generation or two ago when that was sometimes a knock on some of them, he competes, he works hard, he's physical. It's just the consistent factor and he doesn't perform at least on the score sheet night in and night out, but he can shoot the puck and he can score goals. And sometimes that's all you need on your roster is a guy that can score goals for you. So, and he's one of those players for me.
3: When I saw Aaron Hoogland's name on the list, I, I seem to remember very early in the season, maybe around the holenka Gretzky Cup, did he score some sort of highlight reel goal that, uh, that had everybody talking at one point?
2: Yeah, I think it was, it was in the Holenka against Canada where he kind of scooped it up behind the net and did like a lacrosse style goal right. against Canada. Yep. And, you know, that speaks to, he's got, I think he's got underrated offensive skill because, he doesn't always display it. I I see him as a smart two way center for me. He's a fan I like his skating a lot. I think he has a good top gear, especially with the puck. I think he moves really well with the puck on a stick. Some guys they downshift when they have the puck on the shift and on the stick, and he actually seems to have an extra gear with it. So, and I think his offensive skills a little bit underrated. I think he leaves some port some points on the board some nights just because he takes care of things in his own end. So, I think he's a strong two-way player that um I think he has upside in the off when he gets more offensive um situations. He just um I think he played beginning of the year and end of the year with Fargo and they also used him as a primarily like a checking, you know, third, second third center position and um didn't always get the most offensive of situations so um i think there's good upside with aaron Huglin. i think he's a smart player um i'm excited to see him at the college level he's committed to go to university of minnesota and um i'm excited to see him on that big ice sheet at, at mariachi arena too because i think his skating will just absolutely take off on that rink so he's a player i'm excited to watch the next couple of years to see how he progresses
3: yeah uh, maybe slightly undersized but uh and he showed that skill at the Helsinki gretzky Cup but then I didn't hear from him or about him for the rest of the year maybe that's cuz he was mm-hmm. playing high school or or whatever but uh, the way you've painted the picture uh, I'm intrigued to see him at the next level too uh let's move on to uh Vlad Firstov who played in the USHL uh, this past season um uh, but I don't again not a guy that I had on the show so uh, sort of off my radar uh tell me about uh, Firstov
2: I think you know we talk about another Russian in Afanasyev of- I think first off kind of fits in that same mold, except for he's not as big. He's not as heavy of a player, but he's a goal scorer. He can score from anywhere in the offensive zone. I think his shot is excellent. He's got excellent one timing ability. One of the more accurate one timers in the USHL that I could see. Um, he just doesn't bring it every night is some consistency issues there. There'd be some games where you'd hardly notice him, And then um, there's some games where he couldn't be contained and he would, he would score two or three goals. So um, but he 's a highly offensive player. I think he just needs to get more consistent. I think he needs to bring some more awareness away from the puck um he 's going to be a winger you know i don 't think he 's ever going to play center ice so um his his liability defensively maybe isn 't going to be as big as if he was a centerman, but he 's a pure goal scorer and he 's got good hands and he can he can beat guys one on one and um, I like the way, he, especially, I think he played most of the power play that I saw on the half wall, and he would kind of, when he didn't, when he wasn't the trigger man, he could kind of like draw a defenseman in and create open ice on the power play and kind of slide the puck through, and um, he had good creativity with the puck, which is something that um, that I think will get him drafted a lot higher than uh, some people think. I know, I, speaking to some scouts, they weren't real high on him, Um but I think some team's going to really like his skill set. I think.
3: Well, another guy that you think uh, will probably get drafted before uh, maybe where you guys have him ranked is Robert Master simone He's a uh, fella, thirty-one goals, sixty points this year in fifty-four games for Chicago. But uh, and I've seen some, uh, you know, interest at least over the course of the season. It sounded more like second round, maybe third round for him. Uh, but maybe not so if uh, if you were running uh, the uh, the draft for my team.
2: I think he's a, he, this, I think he's a scout tester this year. I, I really do. Um, his line was dynamic in Chicago. They were almost unstoppable on a nightly basis. They, they played so well together that almost the numbers inflate themselves across the board for that line, I think, because they played so well and they fed off each other so well that I think you can't really read into the offense. Now, having said that, Master of I thought his game grew a lot this year, especially away from the puck. I'm not sure there was another player that I saw in the USHL that stripped more pucks on the back check than him. Like, he's crafty, you know, and he puts forth a lot of effort coming back into the play. So, and, you know, on the attack, too. And that's something that, He wasn't doing last year when I saw him in the USHL in his underage year. He wasn't the first one in the zone very often, and now he he was more assertive this year. So his game did grow um, as far as his play away from the puck. So he's he's an interesting – he's not the biggest kid in the world, but he competes. Um, He wins a lot of pucks, and he strips pucks. So um, that proves to his hockey sense and his effort. So um it, it wasn't a player I was tremendously high on to start the year but I eventually came around on him towards the end of the year and he just became too impressive in his all-around effort and game his skating isn't real technically sound but he gets to where he needs to be and I think it's good enough for the NHL level so um he's another prospect that I think like you said I think he's going to go before I'd be willing to draft him but that doesn't mean I don't like him as a player I think he I think he will be a uh interesting prospect for whoever drafts him i think he's got a decent nhl future in him
3: and, and again going to a, a, a really well-respected college program at, at bu it's not like you know i'm not trying to slam anybody but if he was going to bentley or you know niagara mm-hmm. or something like that then maybe it uh, gives me pause but going to bu it, it almost uh, uh is a plus in my opinion the, you ever look at guys like that and say, well, we know he's going to get some good tutelage over the next couple of years.
2: I do. I mean, I, I, I tend not to knock a kid for his commitment. I mean, commitments change all the time anyway. Right. So there could be a kid that's committed to whatever school and then at 15 years old, and then his commitment changes at 18. So you try not to put too much into the college commitment thing, but there are certain programs around the country that develop NHLers. It's just the way it is. So, you, you have to look at that. Um, and also it's the call. It's the culture and does college route is better for some kids than it is other. Maybe some kids need maturity. They need to be out on their own. They need to, they need more time in the gym, which is something that NCA hockey offers. So you do weigh those things. I'm just not sure how much they go into it, but you're right. BU turns out so many NHLers that, you know, if you're going to choose between a kid's progression, you're going to choose the kid that's going to a school that turns out NHL. Is. It's just kind of the way it is. I think it's all part of the formula.
3: All right. One more guy I want to ask you about, and I definitely needed to get to him. Uh, you only have uh, six goaltenders uh, actually getting ranked by hockeyprospect.com this year. And uh, one of them is Dominic. Now, is it Bass or Bassi? I think it's Bassy. All right. Dominic Bassi played a high school in Connecticut, but he's a monster six foot five and a half and 180 pounds. So. With that frame, he's still a bit of a stick, but uh, he's getting close to Matt Sogard uh, size. Tell me about him, because uh, I'm told uh, you were one of the guys who brought him to the group.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's big, like you said. He's a butterfly goalie. I think his his east-west movement is very good. It's just not explosive. It's more smooth, and I think as he gets stronger, because he, he, like you said, he is kind of a stick right now. He does need to get stronger physically. I think his explosiveness east-to-west, will improve because the technical aspect is there. I just don't think the strength is yet. And I think he, he could benefit from playing a little bit more aggressive. But the one thing that stood out stood out to me about his game is his ability to rebound from either a bad goal or a bad game. He almost every viewing I saw of him, he, and he gave up a bad goal early. He slammed the door afterwards. So um, or had a bad game, the next game he would come back and he was lights out. So that speaks to the mental aspect of the goaltending, which I think is a massive part of it. I think mental factors into the kid's work ethic, mental factors into the kid's ability to, um, you know, withstand adversity and bounce back from it. The mental side of the game is, much bigger for a goaltender, in my view, than it is in any other position. You can go out and hit somebody if you're a defenseman or a forward and get your aggression out. A goalie, you're not allowed to do that. So I factor his ability to rebound from uh, miscues as a high upside in uh, or a high intangible of his NHL upside. So um, I think it's a very raw canvas. I think he's going to need a lot of coaching and but the the framework is there for him to be an excellent goalie prospect down the road. So um, I saw him at the tier one net na- or at the U S national uh, tournament. And he was uh, didn't have a great team in front of him. And I thought, I thought he handled it very well. So he was somebody that um, popped onto the radar early and he just stayed there. And, and it's not a, it wasn't a great draft. I don't think it is for goalies. I think um, there's a reason we probably only have six because none of them really jumped out at us. But he was one that jumped out and, um, and stayed there.
3: Dustin, do you know where he's playing? Because I'm looking at his elite prospects page, and they list him as going to Colorado College in 2021-22, which is not next year, not the year after that, but three years from now. Um, I can't yeah. see, I know, he, I think it was Youngstown that drafted him. I don't know if he's going to the USHL next year. I, he's from, apparently he's from Virginia, but playing in Maryland or, or Connecticut. So I'm not sure if he's got a connection, if if a team from the Q or from the OHL has his CHL rights. So you know what his plans are?
2: I haven't heard what his plans are yet. I think academically, I think he's still a junior in high school. So theoretically, I think he could go back to select Academy if he wanted to. Um I would be shocked if he didn't play junior either in the NA or the USHL next year. I think that might be the best route for him to get more starts. And I think he's probably, if I had to venture a guess, he's probably going to play the place that will get him the most start. So sometimes goalies have to go to the NAHL to do that. Sometimes they know they're going to split time in the USHL and they got to go to the NA to get more starts. So, um, I, I think he's ready for junior hockey. I think it would be a good next step for him. I don't, I see him going to college well before that, but it all depends on where he, where he is at academically too. That has a lot to do with it. Right. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to find out where he plays because well, I haven't heard yet.
3: I might have to try to get him on the show. Um, all right, well, that is a rather lengthy list of players that uh, we just ch- chatted about, uh, and as usual, when you're on the show, Dustin, you knock it out of the park. Great to catch up once again. Thanks for your time today. Enjoy the draft, uh, and looking forward to uh, next season already. Yeah, you too. Enjoy the draft.
5: Thanks
2: for the time. I appreciate it.
3: A rather lengthy list of players, and a great job by Dustin Braxman to break it all down for us in regards to all of those guys. and. There are some players there, you see the rankings, and you're like, oh, wow, I was a little surprised by that, whether they're you know, higher or lower than you may have expected. But great reasoning and explanation there from uh, Dustin on why that could be. All right, that was a long segment, so let's get right to the next one as well. We're heading overseas. We're going to Sweden. Johan Lindemann Carlson makes his return to the Pipeline Show. He's a scout with HockeyProspect.com. Let's get to know some of the Swedes eligible for the draft this year. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, it's Moritz Seider from Adler Mannheim of
6: Germany.
0: of 1 is Seider 5-1 Mannheim. Moritz Seider.
3: You're listening to the Pipeline Show.
8: Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. All right, thumbs up. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins! Welcome back to
3: the Pipeline Show. One more segment here to go on this week's episode. It's the uh, 2019 NHL Draft Special brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. I've been uh, chatting with uh, scouts from HockeyProspect.com throughout this entire show and uh, no different here. In the final segment, what is different is we're heading overseas. Johan Lindemom Carlson, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Great to chat with you uh, once again. There's uh, a number of uh, players uh, from your homeland in Sweden that we need to get to. uh, So let's get right to it, uh, because I don't want to take all your time here today. Uh, Let's start with uh, the the first guy, the top-rated Swede uh, for HockeyProspect.com, is a defenseman, and that might not surprise anybody, but... I'm not sure if it's a, a surprise that it's Victor Soderstrom who is the top-ranked guy ahead of some other defenseman that we'll get to, but why was Soderstrom uh, the, the top guy in your mind?
6: Um, for me, it's uh, he's actually the smartest guy. Hmm. He, uh, he's not very big, but he competes very, very hard. He's uh, super smart, and uh, he's played... Uh, almost a full season in the SHL against men too, mm-hmm. so uh, there's there's much to like about him.
3: Well, that's what I was going to ask. Was uh, compared to a number of the other Swedes who are playing in the Allsvenskan or or in the uh, junior leagues, uh, Soderstrom is playing in the SHL, and that to me is a uh, a big indication of um, maybe he's ahead of the others, but also maybe what his potential is like too. Is that fair? Uh yeah, I
6: think that's fair. Absolutely. Um, what makes uh, makes it kind of hard is that his team wasn't very good. Mm. Uh, they actually faced uh, relegation play, so we had to, you know, tone his offensive uh, play down a bit. So uh, we haven't seen his full potential yet, but there's there's uh,
3: a lot to get from him. All right. Well, what kind of a player is he, and 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 uh, how does he separate himself from the other defensemen in this draft uh, from Sweden?
6: Uh, for me, he's, he's a uh, two-way defenseman with great uh, overall puck skills. He, uh, like I said earlier, he's so smart. He ant- anticipates the play so well, and he, he can adapt to basically uh, any situation on the ice. Um, he, uh, for me, he's the uh, defenseman here with the most offensive uh, upside as well.
3: Well the uh, four categories that uh, hockey prospect is is giving uh, ratings for each player hockey sense compete skill and skating he's a 7 across the board except hockey sense he gets an 8 so uh, and he also gets the uh, the A grade so uh, as a bonafide first round pick and I think it would surprise people if he wasn't uh, taken in the first round in the draft uh, now he's uh, he comes in 13th in your uh, rankings for HockeyProspect.com. I'll only uh, talk about uh, where guys are ranked inside the top 31. We want people to buy the black book at HockeyProspect.com. Uh, but the next guy is, uh, well, he's getting a lot of attention around Edmonton because the uh, color analyst for the uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, broadcast crew uh, said he believes the Oilers will take uh, Philip Broberg eighth overall, which to me sounded like, well, that's a bit of a an early uh, slot. So I immediately went to the black book and, and pulled it up and uh, saw where you guys have him uh, listed, and yeah, Philip Broberg, 21st on the hockeyprospect.com list. So, in your mind, a, a top 10 pick uh, using a, a top 10 pick on Philip Broberg might be a bit of a reach. I think so, uh, at
6: least for me personally.
3: He, uh, um for me,
6: he's got some physical advantages to to the other guys. He's he's uh, big, he's, he's strong. Uh, and his biggest upside is his uh, excellent skating abilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got a long, smooth, uh, strong stride, uh, and he can separate himself from basically anyone on the ice at any given situation. Um, But if you're looking for a a developed uh, defender, he's he's a good pick.
3: Could he, at the next level or at the NHL level, could he just be a a defensive guy because... I mean, we talked about those four categories. He gets a five for hockey sense and a five for skill. That's not great, but skating and, and compete is, is okay, and he's got size. So could he be more of a, a defensive guy where you're not expecting him to bring offense?
6: Yeah, I think he can. Uh, he uh, He's a guy that likes to skate the puck up ice. He's, uh, his puck re- retrieval is, is uh, underrated, I think. Mm. Um, and his uh, transition plays is rather good too, so I believe he can do the uh, defensive role too.
3: Well, one of the, uh, the the thing I like about the Black Book the most, and I, I've mentioned this in the, the other segments of the show today, is uh, the the quotes from the scouts and whether they're you know on your staff or uh, NHL scouts that you guys talk to about specific players. And one of them was about uh, how he's kind of been living off the uh, his performance at the Holinka Gretzky Cup last summer. Uh, and he's been living off of that all year uh and which is funny because listen it's a very small sample size. it's the only time I got to see him play, and he was really good at the Holenka-Gretzky Cup, so uh, I was wondering how that you know if we would see him evolve over the over the course of the season, but in your mind, was the Holenka-Gretzky Cup last August maybe the high point of his of his season, yeah, definitely,
6: yeah, I think so he started out so good that the expectations just rose to uh. Too
3: high, I think. All right, well, let's move on to uh, the next guy on the list. And uh, for the Swedes that are available in the draft, uh, Nils Hoglander is, uh, and I might be saying that, is it Hoaglander? Um, But uh, you have to forgive my North American pronunciation uh, for all these guys, uh, Johan. But uh, tell me about Nils. He's a small guy.
6: He's listed listed as uh, Mm -hmm. 5'9". He's been playing in the SHL all season, too. Um, the thing about him is uh, it's his stick handling that that it just it can be mesmerizing at times he can stick handle through any situation all over the ice at any time Um, and he's also um, he can adapt to any role too he can play in an offensive role on the power play and and actually produce some points and score some goals, and he can play on the third or fourth line, um, being aggressive and, and just uh, forechecking super hard. Uh, so he he can play anywhere on the on the lineup.
3: Well, you, it's, he's he's uh, five nine, as you said. Um, the uh, the rating for his skating is only a five though, so he's small and not a great skater. Is that a combination where a guy can have success in the NHL?
6: And the thing is, he he's a good skater.
3: Um, he's got some good uh,
6: good hind speed, but he's, uh, his his stride is not very strong. Uh, so if he can get get a stronger uh, lower body, his skating will will uh, develop as well. Uh, so I d- I do think um, his skating is better than uh, <laughs> than we're giving credit to. Okay. Actually.
3: All right. Uh, well, Hoglander is at uh, 23rd uh, in the rankings. The next Swede comes in at uh, number 30, uh, Tobias Bjornfort, who uh, Bjorn excuse me, who we saw at the Hlinka Gretzky Cup as well. Uh, another defenseman, another with decent size, six foot, 202 pounds. Uh, what's different about him compared to you know Broberg and uh, Soderstrom?
6: So uh, Bjornfort is always the coach's go-to defender on any team. Uh, in any situation. He's just super solid. His um, puck retrieval is almost 10 out of 10. Uh, he's a great leader, a great character, uh, an awesome team player, uh, and also he can play on, on any role. Mm. I think uh, his uh, his potential could be a uh, shutdown defenseman in the NHL, uh, since I don't see uh, his... Uh, Offensive side, it's not too good. So he's just a solid defender, a go-to guy. Uh, you know what you get from him every
3: time. It's sort of a bit of a cliche to say, but um, like a safe pick. You you know he's going to play, but don't expect he's not going to be a world beater. Yeah, I think so. He's a super safe pick. All right, we'll get to the guys who are outside of the top 31, so we're not going to mention where in the black book uh, these names fall. But uh, next up is Simon Holstrom. What well, can you tell me about yeah. him?
6: Uh, he's one of my personal favorites this year uh, here in Sweden. He uh, His season has been pretty rough with injuries and mm. and stuff. I remember last time we spoke, he, he was injured as well. Uh, but he made his comeback to the under-18s, and uh, it looked pretty good, I think. Um, he's an ex- explosive skater, Decent hands, good edge work. He uh, works his butt off every shift. Uh, so there, there's some good potential in him as well.
3: Had 20 points in 21 games uh, for HV71 uh, with the junior team. And then, as you mentioned, at the U18s, he had an, almost a point per game there as well. Six points uh, in seven games. He, now, he only had uh, seven goals of his 20 points. He only had seven goals with HV71. Do you see him more as a, a setup guy or a, a finisher?
6: Um he could be labeled as a setup guy. He does his work from behind the uh the goal line. Okay. Uh but he has a good shot, uh good velocity to it, and he can he can put the the puck in the net too. Well
3: and, and has good size already, six one, hundred and eighty five ish pounds. Um so uh, and maybe maybe he's still gonna grow a little bit, but he's not an undersized offensive guy, so that should be attractive to NHL teams.
6: Yeah, I think so. His uh, offensive potential is should be uh, attracting
3: clubs. I think uh, another uh, Swedish defenseman to get to, and boy, it seems like we talk about uh, defensemen coming from Sweden a lot these <laughs> days. Uh, Albert Johansson—is it Johansson or Johansson? Uh, Johansson. Johansson. All right. I never know if yeah. if I'm pronouncing the J as a as a J as we do here, or like a Y. Is there a rule? When it comes to to Swedish names, when you when it's Yo and when it's Joe, uh,
6: not really. We listen to everything. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, tell we're, me. We're a, too polite to to say something. Yes, I,
3: yeah, I'm Canadian, so we're too polite as well. Um, Albert, yeah. Albert Johansson, uh, defenseman. Now a little bit undersized compared to the other defenseman we've ta- talked about. He comes in just under five eleven and one hundred and sixty pounds, and um, maybe that's why he's not a first round uh, pick in your mind. But tell me about him and what he brings to the to the team. Uh,
6: I do think he has, uh, to be honest, first-round potential, but he's too inconsistent. Hmm. Um, back here in Sweden, he's an offensive, point-producing defender, uh, but internationally, he just can't bring it since we well, have Soderstrom and Broberg and Bjornford ahead of him. Um what bothers me is the skating. He, uh, he needs to get stronger. He needs to get faster. Uh, but he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, good passing game. Uh, he reads play well defensively too. Uh, he's strong along the boards. Uh, but it's his hockey sense that's too inconsistent for, for me at least.
3: Had 29 points in 40 games for uh, Farias this year, but. Uh, only five of those were goals. Is he, uh, not much of a shooter? More of, uh, he starts the play or carries the puck up the ice sort of guy?
6: The thing is, he, he just, he loves the puck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, he skates it from, from his uh, own zone. He, uh, he actually, uh, can be shooting on defense at times to create offense too. Uh, he does shoot a lot, but most of his assists may be from rebounds, to be honest.
3: Uh, Mathias Norlander. Uh, I don't think we talked about him when you were on the show earlier this year. I don't think his name came up. So, uh, tell me more about no.
6: him. Yeah. He's uh he's been a riser here in Sweden for the uh, since Christmas at least. Uh, his development this season has been really really good to be honest. He uh, started out the season with the under twenty team in Modo Uh, then he played with the men's team in the Hockey Svenskan, and there he just took a big leap in his development Mm. Um, his skating is superb he's active he's aggressive his edge edge work is fantastic Um, that allows him to be he can create havoc in the offensive zone at times when he leaves his blue line and just creates chaos Um, and defensively too his He's a tough guy to play against since his skating is so good. He doesn't even have to be overly physical to to retake the puck from opponents. So uh, it would be interesting to see where he ends up.
3: Yet another uh, Swedish defenseman, twenty-one points in in thirty games this year with uh, Modo's junior club, and he was draft eligible last year, wasn't he? So I don't know if, if yeah. that I don't know if that works for him or against him when it comes to the draft this year uh, I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see Uh, next up is uh, Carl Henriksen Uh, again not somebody that you and I spoke about uh, earlier this season
6: yeah that's correct he's been uh, he's been uh, one of my favorites this year too the thing about Henriksen is he's super small I don't even remember how small he is but he's uh, let's see 5'9'2' but he looks way way smaller than Hoaglander does Hmm. So, the thing about Hendrickson is he's extremely smart uh he sees the eyes very very well he has great vision, great hands um the downside is his his size is so small he can be uh caught along the boards very easily um and he lacks some some speed uh on open eyes too since he's so small um but he's a guy that, that his teammates and coaches always can rely on. And, and he's, he works hard, makes good reads all over the ice, and he he, he pays for his team every shift.
3: But his offensive uh, numbers this year, pretty impressive, though. 49 points in 45 games. And then at the uh, World U18, he had nine points in, in the tournament there. Yeah. So uh, you, we talked about a couple of uh, players ago that, whoever, I forget which player it was, but you said he, he's not have, he's not bringing it when it comes to the international games, um, but it seems like uh, Henriksen uh, is. Is this a guy you expect to be at the uh, the World Junior Championship next year in Prague? Um,
6: perhaps. Uh, he actually tied the league, uh, the under-20 league, uh, for first place in, in scoring, so he's a guy with a big offensive upside, but it all comes down to his strength and, and size uh, Regarding international uh, international play uh, next year, I think
3: Alright, well let's get to uh, Albin Greyway we, We've we talked about him in the past And um, I, I remember our conversation I said, didn't do much for me <laughs> at the Hlinka Gretzky Cup And uh, you kind of uh, shared that that thought as well That feeling about him um, Not your favourite uh, player among the Swedes available this year? Uh,
6: no, I uh, wouldn't say that but for the playoffs, he's been he's been really good. Uh, he, uh, he has looked like, like he's he played with uh, um, you know with anger almost, mm. uh, <laughs> like he's angry at everyone, and he's been a physical terror in the playoffs here, uh, and in the playoffs in the under 18s too. He uh, he was the guy who led led the Swedes against uh, Canada. Uh, with his uh, physical play and aggressiveness um, but i don't know i don't know if his uh, his skills matches his attitude uh, still but um yeah he's an interesting guy
3: well i mentioned the uh, the uh, quotes from the scouts that are in the black book for for each player for most of the players uh, and one of them is yours and it made me uh it made me laugh when i read it uh, he has the ability to make his line mates worse. <laughs> and that's that is not glowing <laughs> praise <laughs> to, to put no, on a guy. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, it made me and laugh. That, that
6: <laughs> yeah, that's shown through at the um, Five Nations in uh, in the Czech Republic in November, uh where he played online with the uh, Noel Gundler, uh who's getting drafted next year. I don't know, he he, he tends to he wants the puck for himself all the time. He wants to create stuff by himself all the time. Uh, he doesn't really utilize his teammates like he should should basically. So mm. he could really benefit from from passing the puck and just uh, playing a better team game for me.
3: Johan, tell me about uh, Simon Lundmark. Uh, he's a six foot two defenseman, right handed shot, so that helps him. Uh but uh across the board in the in the four categories, he's basically listed kind of average. Hockey sense he gets a six, but compete skill and skating a, a five in each of those categories. More of a uh, a later round pick for you?
6: Uh for me, yes. Um the thing about Lundberg is he's always very calm and composed. Uh and it's like he's unable to get stressed at all. Hmm. Um but overall, he has good defensive reads. He's always very well positioned, so he doesn't have to get dressed. Um And the thing about him is he, he creates time for himself by being perf- perfectly positioned and knowing what to do with the puck before he gets it. And, and uh, yeah, his uh, his offensive play could be better. Uh, I've seen it before from him. He's got a good shot. He got... Some good uh, offensive uh, uh, skills overall, but he, he uh, hesitates to, to utilize it.
3: HockeyProspect.com ranks 108 skaters and 6 goaltenders uh, for the draft this year, and coming in at number 107, Samuel Fagamo. Uh, now, he's uh, he's been draft eligible for as well, um, but um, give me your thoughts on, on him and what his potential is, and should a team draft him this year?
6: Uh I do think he will get drafted this year. Um to summarize his his uh skills, he's a he's a goal scorer, basically. He's got a great shot, uh decent speed and really good hands. But there's uh, big flaws to his overall game. Um I do think he's playing on the perimeter too much. Um he's not really willing to go hard to the net to get his hands on rebounds or uh, play any kind of physical, physical game at all. Um, but his offensive skills is they're really good to be honest. He's good, got some good zone entries with the puck. Um, he can beat defenders one, one-on-one. Um, and his season, this season in the SHL has been way better than at least I thought it would be.
3: Well, he did have 14 goals, 25 points uh, this season with Forlunda, and and then had 10 in 16 games in the playoffs. So sounds like he had had a pretty strong season.
6: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm almost uh, uh, surprised to be honest. <laughs> um, but he he's got a great shot. Uh, I've seen his uh, one timers on the power play; they're almost unstoppable at times. Um, but for me, if he could get closer to the, to the net, he would score ten more goals this season, at least. So, so there's there's some flaws.
3: Is he a, a maybe a bit of a perimeter player then, where he stays to the outside? You'd like to see him go to the net more and, and the the harder areas of the ice, but he's more of a perimeter player. Is that how how you see him?
6: Uh, yeah, that's my view on him definitely.
3: Well, Johan, listen, I really appreciate uh, you joining the Pipeline Show over the course of this season to tell us about uh, some of the Europeans, uh, especially those in Sweden. It was great to catch up with you again. Looking forward to doing it next year.
6: Perfect. No problem.
3: All right, there we go. Thanks to Johan and thanks to the rest of the crew at HockeyProspect.com. This show, uh, obviously, it's one of the most popular episodes of the Pipeline Show each year. The draft, less than a week away, and uh, now you have been... uh, updated on everything and everyone you need to know ahead of the 2019 NHL draft uh, between now and the draft itself, probably still one more show to go. I'm going to try to uh, get some of the, you know, five or six, maybe the guys that I haven't been able to get yet this year in the 2019 draft spotlight. I'll do my best. I, uh, last week I asked uh, for your request and a number of them came in. So I'll try to set those guys up also on, um, At the Patreon page, I might do some uh, a little bit of writing, some stuff, some thoughts about the draft, Um, so look for that as well. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Heads up, stick tap to everybody that has already signed up to be a patron at Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Reminder, the uh, TSN 1260 here in Edmonton, the draft day show, myself, Low Tide, and Andrew Peart will be bringing you that. That's on uh, Friday uh, during round one. And with that, I'm closing out this week's episode as uh, it was an extremely long one, might even be the longest episode of The Pipeline Show ever, and uh, and it's a day late, so I want to get it uh, done and out as soon as possible. So my thanks to everybody, thanks to you, the listener, for sure. We'll talk to you next week here on The Pipeline Show.